right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever live from the Kill House. Not really from the Kill House, uh, not from a major championship slash players championship slash Ryder Cup slash Solheim Cup. First ever designated PGA Tour event recap. Uh, I think I executed that perfectly, guys. This is the No Lay Up Live show presented by our friends at High Noon. Solly here, DJ Pie is here looking crisp in his image. Hello, Pie Man. Hey guys, happy new year. Happy to be with you. Uh, designated live show. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. You really, that was low hanging fruit and I'm, I'm glad you went for it. Neil, how are you, man? Great to see you. I'm doing well. You know, it's tough adjusting to the uh, 30 degree weather off the flight from Maui, but we're, we're doing well. We still got, you know, the sun on our mind here. You know, first one of the year, working out some camera things, could be some autofocus issues. Listen, we're, we're trying to get dialed, uh, but happy Happy to be here and and a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about tonight. This is the also a first that the PGA, the final hour of the PGA Tour broadcast is going to have less ads than we are going to have on this show. And again, we are ecstatic to announce High Noon as the presenting sponsor for our live shows this year. That's a dream come true for me, honestly, because I've been drinking High Noons on this show ever since uh, I discovered them. I, did, I don't think I've touched another seltzer since I've discovered them. It's made with real vodka, real juice, and sparkling water. Uh, you guys know I've driven all around to Jacksonville to, I think, three or four different publics to try to find the pool pack. You know I got the pool pack tonight. I got my guava. Sun, I know, is not out in a lot of places this year, but I kind of feel like the point of this whole tournament is like you can pretend like you're basking in the sun uh, in Hawaii. So you can look for High Noon on Drizzly or at your local convenience or liquor store or visit highnoonspirits.com to find it near you. 100 calories, gluten-free, no added sugar. I'm telling you, these things are in high supply at my household. Uh, again, the kiwi and the guava are the go-tos tonight. So the, the High Noons were flowing out in Hawaii this week, if I may say. Watermelon for me. I'm going to go black cherry. I feel like there's a lot of black cherries left over. I don't know if you guys are big black cherry guys, so I'll, I'll hoover them up on my end over here. Guys, a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. We were kind of game planning earlier on about, you know, what are we going to talk about tonight? The tournament's going to be kind of boring finish here. You know, we got a lot of our experience in Maui this week to discuss as well. But uh, all of a sudden, pretty damn exciting near the end. Are we worried about Morikawa at this point? What does this mean? DJ, what did, what did we just watch and how does it, how do you, how do you make sense of it? Um, worried about the chipping. Yes. Worried about Morikawa in a macro sense. I would say no. Uh, you know, my good friend Solly pointed this out on Twitter. He's stepped on people's faces for years now. These are just kind of like weird blips. Um, and, and I know, I know what happens is like, you know, you do it once and, and theoretically it's in the back of your head. Like all anybody's been saying about Morikawa is just how polished he is, how mature he is, how, you know, he, he is the guy that, you know, doesn't doesn't let that stuff happen to him and doesn't let it become a trend. So I don't think it's going to become a trend. And I, you know, listen, Morikawa is obviously one of the most talented players on the PJ Tour. He's really, really, really fun to watch. Having said that, that was pretty awesome. You, you kind of watch sports because you don't know what's going to happen. You, you want to be surprised. Uh, and man, was I surprised. Holy cow. That was a captivating, captivating tournament. I would co-sign that. I think we're watching watching Morikawa grow up right before our eyes. I think about like a kid hitting his head on the diving board 
a little bit. Like, is it ever going to be the same? Like, it, will he will he swing as freely? Can I ask you, have you done this before? That's such a specific example. Yeah, like I was, you're fearless as a little kid. And, you know, as a young buck on the PGA Tour, I feel like a lot of these guys are fearless. That's, I think it was the the biggest, you know, collapse in PGA Tour history, right? Like seven shots. Uh, is that, was that... Is that stat correct? There was a lot of stats being thrown around. Bobby Crookshank was mentioned at one point. They were throwing <laughs> around all kinds of different stuff there. Uh, I couldn't really keep track of. Uh, I, I think seven shots lead leads have been blown before. Uh, I don't know about that late in the game, and it, it's just all so very confusing. Like I was saying, like you, he destroyed people on the biggest possible pressure stages. Like he, you know, he wasn't kind of out in front and running for a long, long period of time at the PGA Championship, but went out and won a PGA Championship in his rookie year. Goes on, just plays incredible, incredible golf down the entire final 36 holes, really, at Royal St. George's to win an Open Championship. He murdered folks uh, at many different workday events that he's won. I can't even, can't even keep track of how many workday events he's won at this point. So it's just weird to kind of go in reverse on a course that's all gas, no break to see a like a straight up choke like let's not let's not like sugarcoat this like that is really hard to do to make that many bo he's the only player in the field all week to make three bogeys in a row at any point and it like is just a total gas pedal golf course but i was kind of getting a little bit of flashbacks to the old course and the open championship this past year rory did not choke in this in this way but how this everything changes when you have to stay on the gas pedal. You have to keep making birdies is a very different way of closing out a golf tournament than just like I can go on cruise control, make a bunch of pars and finish because Ron birdies 14, Eagles 15, right as things start to move very quickly for Morikawa. And yeah, it was just a weird sequence of events. And it was very much like a there was so much talk about his change putting and change chipping in the earlier parts of this week. And by all means, he was leading the field in putting going into today. But it, the, just sneaking up on him there, all of a, it's not like... It's not like those things are gone forever. And it's not like a quick fix in the offseason is going to address these things forever and you're all figured out. Everything comes down to how you handle how these things hold up in Sunday pressure. And like straight up, that chipping did not hold up under the pressure on that Sunday. He hit shots that we were hitting out there on the golf course uh, this past Saturday, Neil. I would agree. You're taking a page out of Zinger's book. <laughs> it's pressure. Hitting him with, with wait, does it come down to pressure sunday when you can't spit brother <laughs> come on now that was zinger's like uh, uh, truly his opus there uh, <laughs> i think he's been waiting his whole television career for a collapse like that uh but i agree with everything you said Sally. that's kind of sums it up i i just wonder if there's you know they showed some flashbacks to the hero which i don't think is on on you know par with this tournament but you hate to see a trend developing right scar tissue little bit of doubt creeps in. That's where I'm going with the diving board reference, Deej. Like, ah, I don't know, man. Do I really want to throw these gainers anymore? I don't know if it's worth it. Uh, so I'm, I hope that's not the case. Real quick, I want to say Morikawa did do an interview afterwards, and he was asked specifically about the hero, and he said, uh, he made a great point of like, that day I didn't have it. Like, I, from the start, I did not have it, and today I felt good, and he's kind of still trying to process what exactly just went wrong. And so I... I I, in his mind, his quick reaction was like, these are two very different situations. And yeah, I just wanted to, to note that. Deej, what were you going to say? I was going to say a couple of things. One, Neil, I think it's a fine metaphor. I, I really just want to hear your story with the diving board. That That's kind of where I'm <laughs> where I'm going. Maybe we can do that on the back end of the show. That's teased. We'll save that for the to end. Keep people around. And yeah, second, I, I think 
you know, you, you talked about the all that we hear all week is, oh, my God, he's revamped his his chipping. He's revamped his putting. And I know Zinger tur- gets turned into a meme a little bit with the with the pressure stuff. But obviously, he's not wrong in that anytime you make a change like that, like that is where it's going to get heightened. And that's where it's going to, you know, not show up and your body's just not going to not going to react in quite the right way when you get under that kind of, uh, I'm not going to say pressure, when you get under that kind of stress. You know, I think we got to look at our guy, the short game chef. He got a lot of plaudits uh, throughout the week. I'm sure he got a lot of new Instagram followers. Parker McLaughlin, of course, uh, we're talking about former former PJ Tour player, uh, now turned kind of like uh, Instagram short game tips guy and also uh, kind of like short game whisperer to the stars. It looks like, you know, the, the the chef looked like maybe he was getting flooded with open tickets there at, at the end of the round. Just things w- when you get behind on one one seating, Neil, things start to move really, really quickly. It's hard to hard to catch up, you know? Yeah. And it, it changed a little bit, too. Once he started, you know, once he hit on that bunker on 14, uh, you could see him start pressing. And, th- and this, I will so, say, is is the rare instance where the NLU podcast is going to take you for some real on the ground analysis. Neil, take me to that bunker on 14. What's that? What's that feel like down there? Well, it seems like everybody from my, you know, my close personal friend, Jordan Spieth, uh, to today's runner up, uh, catches that lip, barely catches that lip of that bunker and it rolls back and you got about five yards there and it's a 40 to 50 yard bunker shot. And all you're thinking about is that false front right in front of the green because you think, oh, I got all kinds of room back there. So let me just take a big hack at it, trying to put a ton of spin on it. Well, guess what? You catch it a little clean folks, just a little clean. Luckily, there's a cart path back there, all right? And so you know, you know you have that backboard where it will spin off that cart path and come back into play. Unfortunately, Colin came up just short of that. But then the chip from there is, is you know, that's not easy either. Uh, so getting it down, you're getting up and down from behind the green is tough. So that that was, God, that warmed my heart. I was like, oh my God, this is the exact same shot I had. And he played it the same way. Pros, they're just like us, guys. If you're a podcast listener and don't know what the hell we're talking about, we have released a video on our YouTube channel this past week where Neil and I played uh, an alt-shot match with uh, myself and JT versus Jordan Spieth and Neil. And uh, Neil bladed it out of that bunker and backspun it off a car path, and it was not the most ridiculous shot that we saw in that hole. And I I would like to say it wasn't a blade. It was just I I caught it clean. Even Spieth said that. He's like, dude, you were right on the edge with that shot because exactly what you had to do, you had to put a ton of spin on that. Just caught a little clean. It's a tough I, shot. I think he might Come have been on. trying to build you up for that tee shot on 15, but that's neither for, here nor there. Sure. I, sure. I was going to say that, you know, there a lot of this gets thrown around with golf where, you know, they're they're just like us. They're out there playing the same game. They're using the same equipment. They're playing the same tees. I can totally relate to this. And obviously, we've talked on this show a million times about how that's not always the case, right? You can't really put yourself in the minds of what they're going through. Short game struggles, you absolutely can and seeing that shot that Morikawa hit on 15, it's like, brother, I know what that feels like. I have been there. Hitting that bunker shot on 14, dude, I have been there. I know what that's like. And I think that's where I, I'm not I'm not trying to be like a, a sadist, you know, just like really celebrating this uh, this collapse. It, it's more just like, man, that is, th- that's why you watch, to, to try to relate to somebody in some way like that. And that, that was... That that was very 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 relatable stuff with the uh, with the chipping there, which it's worth pointing out. I mean, Kapalua, like I said, is sorry, Kapalua. I, I keep slipping <laughs> up. I'm sorry, Poosh. But 
it is all gas and like it is birdie, birdie, birdie. But at the same time, the short game grain shots are very real. And something about the pacing of this tournament, these I think feel like NBC Golf Channel does such a great job of like setting up the shots on this golf course. And it's like my favorite feature of Kapalua is that this whole tournament is full of non-stock golf shots, right? So Dude, like that shot that he's hitting from the bottom of that hill on 15, when it's dead into the grain, all you got to do is get it up on that green. That's all he's thinking about. For the best players in the world, that is still that contact is still extremely important. And they were all over covering that. For the best players in the world, the perfect contact out of that bunker on a 40-yard bunker shot, whatever that is on 14, is integral, right? So it was like you couldn't look away at any of them. And then when he goes long on 14 after playing it out of the bunker, that chip coming back that was crazy fast. You could tell he didn't want to put anything extra on it that was going to make it run all the way off the front of that green. And the hardest, the 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 only harder chip than that one on 15 is the second time you got to do it. And you know that one's getting sent long. And you're now you're you're worried about your contact. And I do want to go back to gosh, was it Saturday night um on the 18th hole when he absolutely flubbed a chip uh on 18 from Greenside on 18? That might have been Friday. I don't remember which day that was, but I wonder if that like rattled his confidence a little bit and that just bled all the way into today. And like, as soon as that goes, I'm sorry, you're going to have to hit like three or four more of those shots during the course of that day. It might be a 60 yard pitch, might be some kind of funky little shot, but that's what Kapalua does. And it's not just like stock golf shots coming in. And man, that was just theater. I just don't think I've ever seen, God, I've never seen anything like that where just 60, what was it 66, 67 straight holes without a bogey, like boring <laughs> cruise control. Like, God, this guy's going to win seven times this year. He, he cannot miss to just like fire and brimstone. Uh, that That's yeah. Whiplash stuff. Jeez. Unbelievable. The only thing. The, the last time I felt the way I did was when Spieth hit it. Yes. In yeah. Race 100%. Because that same thing. He was like on fire for three and a half days. And then he, I think we're collapsing, bud. Like, I'm surprised we didn't get a, a little little chatter with the caddy there from Colin. I mean, that's the last time I felt like, oh, dude, I like I kind of wanted this to be a match, but I didn't want to see him like totally blow it like that was hard that was hard to watch a little bit you know it was like damn he's really struggling like he can't make contact with these chips this this is tough i will say i i think it listen we're gonna watch a lot of golf in 2023 no that's there's no secret about that i'm glad this didn't happen in a major and this is no slight to kapalua it's a uh you know it's a designated event i know tc's all over us for not saying elevated event he wants to make sure you just we're using the preferred the preferred nomenclature uh that our overlords of the pga tour prefer I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen in a major and I'm glad it happened in an event like this because I think it just makes, uh, I'm sure he would disagree right now, but I think it just makes Colin Morikawa infinitely more interesting to watch going forward. I think you got to have little things like this that you can, you know, little contacts like this that you can, you can build onto these guys. Cause otherwise it just, it feels like you're watching the same player a lot of the time. And I know Morikawa is a better iron player than a lot of people. And, you know, but he's still, when you're kind of like a, a casual fan, or even if you're a hardcore fan, like, they just bleed together so, so much that it, as much as it sucks for him and it is going to become a thing and people are going to talk about it and people are going to ask him about it. I, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of interesting, you know, to, to have that in the back of your mind every time he gets up now. 
And listen, it's probably worth mentioning the winner of this golf tournament. You know, as we reach whatever minute mark of this show that we are, John Rahm won the tournament and shot a 63 today, 10 under par after bogeying the first hole. He played incredible freaking golf. He went birdie, birdie, birdie on 12, 13, 14, then Eagles 15 after hitting just a mammoth drive. And I don't know, he hit eight iron into that green, hit an awesome shot to the ridge in the middle of the green, fed it in there, rolled in the eagle putt, and then gets up and down on the 18th hole. Uh, to make birdie to to win the golf tournament. I just like again. I come back to though. Morikawa did all of this. He had a uh, a six shot lead as he made the turn. Didn't have a penalty shot on the back nine and had no hope of winning when he played the 18th hole. None. I mean, sure they could have made the albatross, but there's they said there's never been an albatross at Kapalua. He had no penalty shots and had no chance to win the golf tournament when he reached the 18th tee. It was just just sick. It's, it's very self-inflicted, is what you, I think, would call that. Very relatable, too. Yeah. As you were saying earlier, Deej. I, I do want to say something about the golf course that I noticed. I was out there on Thursday, and I look forward to this event every year, and I think it is maybe, like, the inverse of most tournaments. It's perfect for TV. And yeah. because of the vistas and the elevated cameras perched up there, it just like unbelievable views. The drone work this week was awesome, but guys in person, really tough place to watch golf on the ground. Okay. Really, really difficult. There are not many groups coming through They're They're all taking their sweet freaking time, uh, getting down the mountain. Uh, my wife and I walked up 18, just buckets of sweat get to 17 green, got about halfway up 17. It's like, I'm, I think I'm good. You know, I'll, I'll, let's watch them hit this second shot down to the green. The other thing is there's not, I think behind 13 green, maybe you can watch two holes at once, but that's it. Every other hole is on its own. And it's almost like a movie set a little bit. So it made me appreciate this telecast even more so now that I've been there on site. Now the vibe and the experience and Hawaii, like all of that is like 12 of 10. It's just like when it gets down to like actual tournament golf on Thursday, I was like, man, I'm good. I think, uh, I think we can, I think we can hop in the car and go back to the beach. There, there's no, this is a comment for a very small audience of, of people who have been to this tournament or are going to go to this tournament, but there is no more deflating feeling in the world of golf than getting through, I think like the fifth green. If you're following a group through the fifth green and then you see the players all of a sudden walk towards SUVs, you're like, wait, where are they? Hold on, where are they going? They're getting in cars and then they they take off in cars and you realize that you have like a 25-minute walk to the next tee box in front of you where you have to go all the way down and around and up the mountain all the way back down to the sixth tee. It's, uh, it's, it's tough, but yes, I like a movie set is is very well said i feel you and then there's another one there's another one between seven green and or actually it's eight t and eight green they get yes. in cars again <laughs> and then to get from nine to ten is a solid 20 to 25 minute walk too like under a tunnel through the jurassic park you know jungle and then out to the a complete other side of the golf course i mean the land the course from the air is like the most striking thing of all time so now i i feel like so complete that I've been there. I'm like, cool. You know what? Can't wait to watch it on TV every year. I, I will be, it's appointment viewing, but it's viewing for me. That's what, that's yeah. what I learned. I think it's a very good, I want to go back and do exactly what we did. Be there for the early part of the week and do a bunch of stuff around the tournament and go home and watch it on television. Cause it really is that good to watch on TV. And if we can 
I don't know if we want to do full Amsterdam now, but they added layers to the telecast this year. The drones were awesome. They it, it just added a whole like I know everyone's like, oh, they just now figured out drones. Like doing drones on live broadcasts with around golf being played is not that easy. Like we we know how to do drone shots where we could edit it into a video, but doing it live is is a whole different animal. And they had balls, <laughs> drones following balls rolling down the fairway. It just it was the best sense of place I've ever gotten. Maybe it helped coincide with. First time I've ever seen the golf course was this past week, and now I do feel like I know it. But, man, they take you there, and that's a, that's a Rolfing thing too. Rolf is just such a, you know, it, I have a different perspective kind of on his perspective on Hawaii, having spent some time with him out there and, and, and kind of had, we had him on the podcast this past week if you haven't listened, and understanding the, the role he has within Hawaii and the tourism and his being there for 40 years. And I had an Uber ride to the airport, our Uber ride to the airport from Kapalua, the Uber like five minutes in the ride, the Uber driver's like, "Do you know Mark Rolfing by chance?" It's like everyone on that island knows him, and I don't know. They do such a good job of just bringing that one to life, and it's the rare tour event that might be more fun to watch like Thursday through Saturday than Sunday even is. It's just like you flip it on and you want to see the scenes. That the 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 usually the tournament like result is kind of takes a backseat to just like, dude, just kind of give me some golf porn to watch on TV for a little while. I want to jump in here. I see uh, Sam's comment on the, on the live stream here about the uh, century headquarters in Wisconsin. Does any, any HQ get more run than Stevens point, Wisconsin <laughs> throughout the course of the season? Cause it, it's just 30 times a broadcast. It's unbelievable. They're talking about Stevens point, Neil, Neil, do we need live look-ins at any other HQs on the, on the PGA Tour? I was trying to put together a little list. Uh, maybe the global home. That's always good. But I don't know if it's a live look-in like that. I, also, Century Chairman was getting a lot of burn up in the booth, too. <laughs> multiple, multiple interviews. I think that's what happens when you sign up through, what, 2035 or whatever? I think, I, I think they're... Uh, I also think it has something to do with it being the first event of the year, and it's like... Oh yeah, you know it's it's really far from PGA Tour HQ. It just seems like it's a little bit more like yeah, yeah. Let's get off to a good start. Everybody's in a good mood, and then as the year goes on, it becomes. What are they going like, to do? They're not going to drive down and yell at us here. Come yeah, on, exactly, relax. exactly. I think the other thing though about the telecast versus the um, like watching it in person is Sally. You were saying like watching the balls roll. Like I watched five or six tee shots from eighteen t, which was you know like awesome. It, unbelievable view. It's hard to be in a bad mood up on that tee box, but you can't see the way the ball's reacting. Like when they're hitting those fades into the hill and then they're going 93 yards down to the flat spot. So that's where this, again, this is one of those few events where it just, the, uh, the broadcast really does add something to it. Um, now that said, I would also say one of the most memorable courses I've ever played and when we start to talk about those courses that are in that like four, five, six hundred dollar around range, this is one of the few where I'm like, that was worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's like, okay, you know what? Where, compared to like Sawgrass, I'm like, ah, those views d do something for you. I, I think that one's going to be in the memory bank for a long time. So really, really fun golf course. You know, the epic views is, is tough to beat. A fun one too, like you immediately want to go play the hole again after you've seen it. Like you can get like a set, teeing off on seven. You hit that tee shot, I didn't, but it was like that fairway is way wider than even you can see, right? And then as soon as you drive up and see it, you're like, oh my god, I would absolutely send one here if I had all this information. And there's so many of uh, you know different spots where like ah, if I'd have known this, I would have played it this way. I would have done that. And you just want to you want to keep going. Mountain golf is not my favorite style of golf, but that golf course was exactly what you said. It was so worth it for the views, the styles of shots. It's just, I don't know. We we're looking for changes of pace on the PGA tour schedule. And this is one of them. I know some people don't like the low scores out there, but it's like, 
Number five such is a bad take. It's a horrible take. Number five is a par four, anyways. It's like an easy par four. It's not even a, a, a difficult par four. And, uh, you know, the par fives are all reachable, and there's not a ton of it's driver wedge almost everywhere. It's like driving pitch golf course. But, man, it, what, what I have way more appreciation for now is watching like JT and Spieth. Like, uh, we're walking with them, we're going through shots with them, and they are processing information in a totally different way than I am, like looking at the hole through course knowledge and just like understanding of how balls bounce out there, how much the elevation is going to change. What, you know, you, uh, I think back to the sixth hole when we were playing, you know, Jordan kind of tells you, talks you into where to hit a certain pitch, where to land it, what kind of speed to be hitting it at. And as soon as you hit it, again, you're playing it for the first time. You don't know. You hit it and you probably didn't know if it was too hard. And as soon as you make contact, Jordan's like, nope, too hard. And it's going to go past this mound and it's going to run for 20 seconds and go all the way to the corner of the green. But, like to see all that on display, I, I have more appreciation for that for that course and how they're able to pick it apart and and uh, and shoot whatever. Morikawa shoots twenty five under. We spend the first half of this podcast ripping on him the whole time. It's crazy. I think it speaks to. I mean, Jordan said this a lot. He, he's said this the last like five six years he's been out there, but he's made the Augusta comp a lot with all the uneven lies and the way you got to use the ground and and all of those things. I think that kind of ends up speaking to the leaderboard too, right? You, like you don't it ends up being pretty much horses only. I mean, I know not everybody is, is the biggest names, but the biggest names tend to tend to separate out there. And I think a lot of that, as you guys probably know now after playing, it has to do with a lot of the creativity, a lot of those uneven lies, a lot of judging runouts, a lot of like the almost, almost like intangibles. It's, it's very much not track man golf out there. And, and a lot of the, a lot of the PJ tour courses kind of, kind of can be, especially in that midsummer midsummer range so that's just another thing i always appreciate about it i i know i'm kind of i'm kind of rubbernecking and, and whipping all over the place but do we need to talk more about morikawa and just like a, a lot of it's funny i saw a tweet from porath about how fast the the narrative can change on on people depending on what happens over a stretch of you know four or five holes which i think is is very true but what are your guys's kind of macro thoughts on morikawa i mean i know not really it's just it's interesting to have him and rom up there today because it feels like they had kind of similar seasons last year right like not bad they both played kind of good but didn't really get much out of it uh i'm curious kind of what you guys feel on morikawa now and and where you think he'll be going forward believe it or not i think this week is going to be a great thing for him it was a nice reminder of what his a game looks like and that he is a force in you know in golf he has high variability weeks, which is usually very, very, very rewarding when it comes to golf. And like we've we've documented, he's won some big ass tournaments. A little bit of you know forgot about Dre last note, year. Did you did you see the strokes gain thing that like his strokes gained twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one are exactly the same? And yeah, I've been make I've been saying had... that forever. You dunk on me. <laughs> I know. Nobody wants your strokes no, gain. No, 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 no. You, get that out of here. No, you just no, no, no. You just rely on it too heavily. I, I, I obviously get it. I, I know oh, that. You know, hold on. Let me let me crack one more of these before we get we get <laughs> into that. Who, look at who's bringing up strokes gain in the conversation and what's the. I'm the not combo. totally dismissive of it. It's just you know it's a tool in the toolbox, and I think that's very interesting. Sorry, continue, please. As I've mentioned many times, the strokes gain's about the same, but just didn't have the same like variability spikes where it's like. All right, dude, seeing the variability spike again, I know that did not end very well, but like that was a really, really freaking good golf tournament. It's going to take him a while to kind of realize all that. And um, I don't know. It, and also just think like looking at this golf course, I don't think it's like, oh, that means this guy's going to have a huge year. Because again, the test and the, the shots are just so different, so freaking different than uh, the majority of what they're going to 
going to have. But I think it, uh, you know, we can be, move very quickly in this sport. Us, I'm like the most guilty of it. Like if, you know, if you don't win for like six months, people can kind of forget about you. Like how much are we kind of like just, you know, lukewarm on Scotty Scheffler right now after what he did around this time of year last year? It's just kind of like, what have you done for me lately at all times? So a good refresher on Morikawa and a reminder that he is an enormous talent that has already stacked some outrageous wins. I put that stat up earlier. What he's done through 76 starts looks very similar to Spieth. It's a different age bracket. Like, a Spieth was 21 when he was made his 76th start, and Morikawa was 25 now. But uh, it's just very much worth noting that he's stacked a lot of tour wins, won two majors, and just clearly has a, a different level that he can get to, which, uh, I don't know, I'm buying I'm buying Morikawa right now. Deej, I have no issue with Morikawa. I'm very, very impressed with his golf game. I think he's, you know, the, the iron play the T-ball, like it just look, it all looks so professional. And I think that's a little bit of the issue I have is that he's almost too professional and he doesn't make me feel much. Like I had no issue when he was up by five strokes, I think on 10 or 11, I was actively rooting against him. Like, ah, come on, make this, you know, there's just a bit, it's, it's, it's a bit boring. It's so good that it's boring sometimes, which is not a fault. I don't want that. It almost sounds, it's critical because I'm not rooting for him, but it's not, it's almost like a backhanded compliment a little bit. It's like he makes it look so easy and so like polished that it just makes me kind of just tune out. That's honestly that that's exactly where I'm at. It is it could not be anything, you know, less against him. It's just hey, some people don't like the Yankees, man. Some people don't <laughs> like Stanford. Some people don't like Michigan. Like that's just just how it is. It's just, you know, it's, it's not quite uh for me and I I think you know, honestly, like watching him go through a couple of these things, like it, it, the quote gets brought up all the time now, but the the Podrick Harrington, you know, ignorance versus experience kind of thing. It, it's I think he just becomes a much more interesting player as this stuff happens. And Sally, I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I know this sounds like kind of a cliche, but I think it might end up being kind of a positive because he's so buttoned up in every other facet like I don't think he just all of a sudden stops being buttoned up like I think he's going to be the kind of guy who is buttoned up and reacts to this as such and I think like you look at the major venues this year I mean I already made all the Augusta comps to Kapalua I mean I think that is one where he seemingly should play really really well uh, but LACC too like firm fast iron players golf course like that seems like it would be a really good spot for him so I, I don't know there are a lot of a lot of good players out there, but he obviously, when he's all clicking all the way, it seems like he's he's kind of able to separate himself, especially if any of that putting stuff does stick around, which <laughs> I'm all in on. Uh, you know, TC calls it the stranger, just continually <laughs> searching for new feels. Uh, and it's clear he had that again this week. I think Garrett Morrison tweeted something like all the screenshots over the last like four years of of all the different times that people have written like, you're never going to believe this putting feel that Colin Morikawa has. I think that that's like maybe the most relatable part of his game uh, to me. It's just like, oh, dude, I found it. I'm never going to miss another one after this. And, you know, that lasts for a couple of weeks. And then we're back in the well, last for 68 holes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is still pretty good. You make yeah, a lot of money. A lot doing longer that. than it lasts for me. That's for sure. <laughs> Which, like, it wasn't really – he missed a couple putts coming in, but it was not his putting that let him down. Like, I, I, what I saw out of his putting looked really good. It was putts pouring in the center of the hole, which, yeah, we have seen in spurts, but if he's going to not saw anymore and he has, you know, worked on a blah, blah, blah and has form that is going to – he's second in strokes game putting overall for the week. Like, it, it's not his putting that let him down. It really was the chipping, um, you know, and some, some untimely missed greens. So, 
to your overall question on how we feel on Morikawa and like what we're rooting for and what we're, you know, watching and, and taking that all that in, I kind of had the re- realization this week or the thought of like, dude, I, I believe in like the talent the PGA Tour has retained. I like what they've done with the designated events and these guys playing together more often. I honestly think the biggest risk is just feeling like a lot of these dudes are relatively interchangeable when it comes down to emotional connection with them. Like, I, I like both Rom and Colin Morikawa, They've but we've spent time with uh, with both of them. They've both been on the podcast. We're supposed to have Rom on very soon. I don't know if that's going to happen after a victory, but uh, it, it doesn't make me feel anything necessarily emotionally when one of those guys wins, whereas you know I think we all feel very different, obviously, when Rory does something or Spieth or JT or something like that, and that's where even Bryson like makes you feel something when, when he's in contention. Brooks as well and uh that's maybe like the biggest risk they run is just kind of too many nice guys which is the weirdest thing to complain about but that's kind of I think we're gonna have a lot of these conversations like all right Xander won this week all right Cantlay won this week what does it all mean and what's really the reaction is kind of something that we are gonna struggle to reconcile I I, DJ I need to say the same thing well I I gotta give you a shout out there's there's a take that that you Sent to the Slack earlier that Colin very, has very nervous. Which one you're going to share? Some John Legend <laughs> vibes, and and if you don't want to stand behind it, I'm going to stand behind it because I think that is spot on, catchy music, real sharp. Listen, man, when he gets dressed. in his element, there's there's nobody better for the yeah, moment. But you like, get, does the you music get a, you get a big me... award show? John Legend's out. Like, man, who yeah. who better than John Legend to be great there, front but... man for commercials? Yeah, right. Like, I, you like know. a lot of lot of good stuff going on. Does the music make me feel much? Not really. Uh, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. It, even Colin's post round presser said all the right things. I was like, man, I'm, I, you know, I, yeah. I appreciate that he's, that he's doing the press conference, but I'm not feeling a lot of like, he's saying all the right things, but I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling much. That's, that's where I'm, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Which is where I think there needs to be a little, you know, a little chip and a little adversity and a little kind of overcoming some of that stuff, which I think what has turned me off a little bit in the last like year or so is even like the, you know, the weird, uh, I forget was it with uh, Todd Lewis or who was it with the the weird kind of disconnect about Colin's year and Immelman, some of the quote Immelman Immelman yes it's uh, kind of some of the weird punching back on stuff it's just it's kind of it's just a little strange whereas I I would say Rom has uh, gone way up in my book on just you know being super super thoughtful in press conferences and being super insightful on a lot of different things and he's clearly like a, a very kind of worldly interesting pretty switched on guy and i think some of that carried a little bit of weight for me today when i'm i'm looking at him trying to charge up the board but it's 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 pretty negligible uh difference i'm, I'm with you solly i gotta hit scott schaefer here it sounds like neil doesn't love his curves and imperfections that's that's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to scott on that one that's good if you can't tell from watching this and seeing uh, what Neil and I both are, are rocking here, Roback, they are back for another year. We could not be more excited about this. The fit, the feel, the quality of their materials, it is perfect. You all know how much we love their gear. Uh, we, I, I wore the, the quarter zip playing golf today, wore it out to lunch afterward. It's just, it's multi-purposeful. It, it does so many different things. Their performance polos, they fit way better than the typical boxy polos. They got a collar that never loses its shape. The four-way stretch material is so soft. It is so comfortable. Again, the Q-zips are great for the golf course and great to wear. You can wear them to work even if you wanted to. Uh, and if you don't see us uh, wearing outerwear, wearing the Q-zip outerwear, you can probably find us in the hoodies. I reference this green hoodie that I'm wearing right now a lot because I wear it a lot. Uh, it's incredible material. You can wear it three or four times without having to wash it if I, I've admitted that many times. I feel comfortable admitting that with this group. 
They're the stretchiest, softest hoodies in golf, uh, and they they work on the golf course as well. And you can use code NLU at Roback.com for 20% off your first order. That's R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com, code NLU, 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and tees, joggers, everything they got with code NLU at Roback.com. Kick off your 2023 right with Roback. Go check them out. Uh, Would shout out to joggers. Warm on the, uh, the the red eye last night back from Maui. That was it was good good attire for planes. I wore the joggers yesterday too, Neil. It's good Love stuff. The joggers. So let's let's kind of debrief on this first designated event on the PGA Tour schedule. I'm wondering what your guys' reaction to it, how it was handled by the tour, how it was you know kind of publicized and promoted. <laughs> what is? I'm, I'm sorry, Sally. We're just laughing. I think DJ is laughing at the same comment I'm laughing at. Well, you got to share it then for the podcast listeners. No, not that one, Cody. The next one from Harris. <laughs> yeah, Harris. Harris has a good one. <laughs> DJ and Neil got the OnlyFans cameras. Solly's got the got the E-bombs world camera. The E-bombs my Wi-Fi struggling? Oh, man. As someone who spent a lot of time on uh, E-bombs world. Hand man. up, DJ. Me too. <laughs> Sorry. Is my Wi-Fi right. struggling? Everything looks great on my end. I don't understand what's I going don't know, on here. man. That's good no, it's stuff, not too though. bad. But that that's okay. that's man. The comments don't usually derail me quite that bad. Harris, well done, <laughs> man. That's that's good stuff. Solid, please continue. Continue. No, we'll I, the last word, Solid. No, 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 fuck you guys. I'm not, I don't want to play your games. <laughs> what's your reaction to the first designated event? Did it accomplish its job? Did it? Uh, you know, are you? Does it make you more excited for the future of these? What? It felt like this should have been kind of a bigger deal than it ended up being. I think. I will. So. I'll jump in first and say this tournament has always felt a little uh, elevated, designated, special, just due to the fact that it's all the winners from last year. And so there's always a little bit of me thinking like, oh, yeah, why is JJ Spawn here? Oh, that's right. He, you know, he won last year. So I think that's always a fun wrinkle to this tournament, which has always set it apart. So I don't know if it's the best test for whether these designated events are going to be a big deal or not. So I know that's an, a bit of a non-answer, um, but it, but I, I felt like in the past, most of the, the top players were playing at this event anyway, so it doesn't feel a lot different than it did last year, whereas there may be some other events in the near future that will feel very different. But I think that kind of speaks a little bit to what I was hoping for slash predicting slash, you know, just kind of like crossing my fingers for was that, you know, the, the whole... Th- the biggest pushback to a lot of the designated stuff. I'm, I think I'm just going to say elevated designated is fucking stupid. The biggest pushback I think that we saw to those was that, Oh, these are just going to feel like WGCs and they're going to feel super soulless. And that's not the case when you're going somewhere that already has history. Like the problem with the WGCs was that they were trying to pull it out of nowhere. And they were trying to say like, look how shiny this is care about this. I know this is brand new and all we're doing it, you know, it's just for marketing purposes, but like you're too stupid to realize that. So just love it. And everyone's like, no, I actually am not. And this is kind of dumb. Like, why would I care about this and the travelers and Bay Hill? And like, none of this means anything because there's no context to anything. Whereas I feel like, you know, Sally, you said it earlier, I think in the podcast, and I think we've said it the last couple months is like, this year, it just felt like Kapalua that you know and love, only like a little bit better. And I hope that Bay Hill feels the same way. It's Bay Hill. You know the golf course. You know the history. It's just a little bit better. You know Memorial. It's just a little bit better. And I think where they can really expand on that is going to a place like Heritage, right? Where it's like, hey, here's a, an event that's been on the PJ Tour for a really long time. 
what if you got to see all your favorite players there? And remember, you know, when Heritage was one of the first events after COVID and they had like, what was it, like 19 of the top 20 in the world or something crazy when everybody was just like dying to play a tournament? That was fucking awesome. No, right? That was Colonial. That was at Colonial. Well, Colonial too. Colonial yeah. did that as well, but Heritage did the same thing when uh, when Bryson was playing there and playing really well. And I think Webb won that year maybe when Webb just like ran and hid and, and blew yeah, everybody beat, away. But it, it answered by one, it, yeah. Yeah, but it was that was an awesome thing for that tournament, right? And I hope that that's kind of what all of these end up feeling like. And and I think they have a chance to share the love in a, in a cool way where they're elevating like the normal ones, like you know Riviera and Bay Hill and Memorial and these these ones that like kind of slowly become like the tentpole pinnacles of the PGA Tour. But then you can you can sprinkle in every couple of years like, OK, now it's Travelers. Now it's Heritage. Now it's, you know, Colonial. Now it's I guess Houston's going away. But you know what I mean? Like uh, it's the same feel. It just makes the tournaments a little bit better, which I think is kind of what you're saying about this week, Neil, which hopefully that I don't think that's an outlier. Actually, I think that actually is hopefully what it will feel like going forward. Maybe maybe that's why I've liked this tournament for so long. Is it already, to me, it already felt elevated, but in an authentic way. And what you said about the WGCs, I co-sign 100%. I think that's exactly right. There's no fake juice with this event. It's like everybody earned their way here. It's in an unbelievable location that I could, like, you know, put on in the background while I work. It's just like you never get sick of the views. And then the golf course just produces, like, exciting golf. So it's, it's, you know, it stacks up year over year for me. And, And now, having said all that, it sucked that Rory wasn't there. <laughs> yes, that was disappointing. I understand why he's not there, but it yeah. does suck because it's, you know, like, hey, he's leading the band. Like, hey, come on, rally around the flag, boys. And then, okay, I'll see you guys at, you know, Farmers. Which, or is it Farmers or where's he going to play first? Waste Management will be his uh, his first PGA Tour event. But I think it is it's just worth noting every time we have this conversation this year is that 2023 is a one-of-one one situation. This is an outlier year. This is a transition year. They're going to rewrite the whole script on all of this for 2024. There's going to be a lot more changes for 2024. And what they've come up with for this year is that what you can, you know, all the top players need to play every event with one exception. You get one skip, basically. You can add some flexibility to it. And Rory chose to use his one skip for this event. I was kind of surprised by that. I think with him kind of being out in front of leading this thing and, uh, you know, kind of, I, I guess I just was, didn't think that all the way through. I just thought there's no way he would skip that first one. I think it's also worth noting. It makes a lot of sense worth for skipping, right? If you're especially, he's going to go over and play Dubai, um, to kind of kick off his season. That's a strain and kind of gives him a little extra of an off season. And then also a, a thought I had realizing was like, now every tournament knows Rory's coming. Like he's done his skip. Like the rest of them are all, all all lined up and ready to go. Now, do I wish he was out there playing and do I wish he wouldn't use his one skip at all? I do. Uh, I just don't think he loves that golf course. And it's not, uh, you know, it, it's not Maui vibes don't necessarily translate for everyone. Right. And it just didn't seem like he was that interested in this one. And if I'm looking at the whole calendar, this one makes the most sense to skip. And we're kind of fortunate that only him and what Lowry were the only ones that really skipped this one, I think. But in a Ryder Cup year as well, where guys need to go over to Europe and play a certain amount, how, I forget how many, four events or whatever it is, four non-co-sanctioned events or whatever it is in Europe in this year, it makes a little bit of sense. Is this going to happen next year? I do not think so. I don't think there's going to be any flexibility beyond injuries uh, and emergencies for guys to skip any events. So 
the effect is going to be is pretty minimal, I think. Like, it's still just, you know, I, there'll be events where we just don't even notice who is the one that skipped this week. And it's just when you have that many of the best, it just doesn't greatly diminish it. Rory, Rory not being there diminishes any tournament. But, like, when Scheffler skips one, when Morikawa skips one, it's not going like, to, honestly, you, it might take you until Sunday to notice for a lot of viewers. Cody, Cody yes. I agree with everything that you just said. He followed the rules, everything you get one skip. But if he wants to be that guy, if he wants to stand up and carry that banner and say, here I am, follow me. This is the new way that we're going to do it. You got to show up on day one. You can't be that guy who Listen doesn't to show Sergeant up. Sergeant McBride, let's go. You can't do I it. I fucking love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I understand the reason. I understand the justification. I understand the long season. He also used those same talking points to convince everyone else to get on his bandwagon. You got to be the guy that's there day one. You have to. But I don't think everyone got on the bandwagon is the thing. It's like the, they, the, the agreement, which I do not think Rory was pushing for, was that everyone gets one skip, right? I don't think that's what he, he was riding for in any way. I think that was a compromise made. And so if that, if everyone's going to get out of that compromise, he should be able to benefit from it as well. Like I, again, we're getting, we're trying to get all of these like super, super individualistic dudes to agree on all of these things. And I, I don't I, like, that's what they've all agreed on for this year. So it, I wouldn't want to hold him to like, everyone else is going to get to skip one and you don't like, I just doesn't quite for seem, sure quite seem fair if that, if that's the case. Cody, I agree with you. You got me like sitting up in my chair. That got me super jacked up. Lead from the front. Leaders eat last. Like sign me up for all the leadership cliches. Uh, that said, and I agree with all that, and I'm disappointed that Roy wasn't there, but I don't think anyone's going to remember this next week or the week after because Roy's going to show up, and it's going to be like balls to the wall for the rest of the year for him. So it's I, still I football think season I, it makes too. sense with his like, schedule. Yeah. He's doing his goals for the year. Probably, You know, he's probably – Got some resolutions, trying to get off to a hot start. I get it. Like it's just a bummer for golf fans. That's all. When we were filming the the Spieth and JT video, I was riding around in the cart with Bones, name drop. I was kind of picking his brain a little bit about about it, and I, you know, I don't think he would mind me sharing this, but he his perspective on it was like, hey man, like there's a big difference between playing and winning. And what happens when you win is, you know, you're, you're responsible for a lot, man. And that that is like it's very, very taxing to go to all these places and play super, super well. And Rory's playing super, super well right now to the point where like he, he kind of can pick his spots and he kind of can be judicious about what he's doing because he knows when he shows up to an event, it, it's kind of more of an obligation than it is for a lot of other guys, uh, both from a media standpoint and also from a, like, he's probably going to be in the hunt all four days. He's probably going to be doing media after all four rounds. He's probably going to be, you know, grinding in competition like that. That's a, that's a very real thing. And I thought that was kind of an interesting, interesting perspective, I guess, that I, I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. Again, it's just, it's a, it's a one of one year. Again, I'm going to keep saying that. And it's, it's, I think it, it's kind of the miraculous thing in this is how many, how much things have changed from one year to the next. Right. And then these guys got on board and are going to play together as much as they, as, as they will. Um, and yeah, there's some, some, a lot of stuff to unpack about 2024, uh, which we can probably do at a later time. But again, I think it's just like, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember Hicks and Azinger being at Kapalua. Like it felt like uh, they NBC brought their A game for this one, and it's gonna feel. I think this past week is gonna feel drastically different than Sony Open, right? And it's 
uh, we're going to start to feel the effects of what is a real PGA Tour event and what is like the B-level PGA Tour event, which is a great thing for fans. Like, the less blurry those lines get, the more it's like, dude, I just don't really like have to tune in this week. If I'm a golf sicko and I want to see who is making the leap up to the next level, the next, you know, who Chad Ramey is going to change his career this week by by winning Sony like that, you can be that fan. But also it's like, hey, I only want to tune in these weeks. It also makes a ton of sense. So, Which, like you said, I think is a good thing. Like I, I absolutely love the Sony and I can't wait to tune in. But I think where we get into trouble is trying to trick everybody into thinking that all these things are are equal. And so I, I was, I don't know if you guys want to do TV stuff now, but I, sure. I thought NBC was phenomenal. Cody, what do you got? I don't know if you covered it. Cause I was trying to do notes on the back end. And I apologize for the people viewing for some reason, our slides actually cannot upload. So I'm trying to screen share them anyway, the whole, <laughs> I know we started with it, but you can't, the tour just can't flip what they're calling something at the bottom and not give a justification for why. So why did we move from elevated to designated outside of, the fact that they realize that we can't actually call something elevated because they all still have to be the, the same. I don't think there is anything outside of that. Like, I think that is exactly why they can't do it. They were, they had elevated Genesis Memorial, you know, Bay Hill. list off Bay Hill, right? The invitationals colonial. And so I think there's probably legalese and contract stuff. Colonial right? was not elevated, but it was just those, those three were considered elevated events. It was all confusing as hell basically. Right. And, but I think that was, that's probably part of it. It's like, we promised we promised Genesis as a partner that their event was elevated two years ago. So now we can't call all these other ones elevated. So you know it's all just like that's that's going to be an issue for the tour. Is like how do you keep the non designated sponsors that are still have to pony up the money happy? Deej, I think your idea like they need to get everybody at the table and say, listen, you got to take a long term look at this, and it's going to come around. Like travelers, we'll get to you in a year or two. You know, John Deere, like we're, we're, we got you guys. We're coming for you in four years, right? Like we're going to, we're going to designate some love here. That's not quite how it's going to work though. So travelers is elevated this year, one and two, it's like, you're going to have sponsors going to have the option, have the option. Well, I to hope pay. they would. Do you want a designated event? Hold hostage for them. You pay a significant amount more. It's 175% higher price or no, 275% higher price from what I've gathered to if you want to host a designated event or you can sit at the kids table and host a regular so and so that's my point though the kids table is where they're going to hemorrhage sponsors that's like i which is yeah they have the option to pay but like what the bottom might fall out on some of those kids table events basically is what i'm what i'm getting at well and also think about like what props up a gigantic part of the tour like what overarching deal touches every event on the PJ tour is FedEx FedEx. And there's a reason why for a long, long, long time, everything was except the majors was 500 point FedEx cup events. And while they're trying to convince everybody that everything's the same is because like, that's how they've sold that package. Right. And so once you start saying like, no, 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 actually Detroit is much different than Riviera, which is what everybody who watches golf understands and operates under the assumption of, like how do you still justify like going to FedEx and saying like no 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 you actually need to pay us an escalator of you know times 42 events instead of times 17 events or whatever you know what i mean it's just it's all these like it's a true like you don't know how tv contracts work situation where they've already sold all this stuff so they can't really like go back and just rip it all up and just redo it on the fly 
because then the whole business could, you know, I, I assume this is this is all assumptions for me, but like I, I assume you can't just rip it all up and start over and just say, ah, we'll just build the plane as we're flying it because you're talking about a fuckload of money and all these deals that are keeping the tour afloat and the deals that are keeping everything kind of, you know, consistent and continuous from week to week. It's just, it's so 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 complicated and i know that's a very easy answer to say like yo they can't just blow it all up because like things are very complicated i know that's not how sports fans like to operate and they're like i'll just fucking figure it out man but like <laughs> that it just doesn't work like that and so i think this is where you see them get in this like semantic whack-a-mole situation of like elevated uh designated please don't leave you guys are uh you're an opposite field event we just need to keep you in the boat uh you guys are this you guys are that like I think they're literally just trying to figure it out within the framework of all the incredibly complex shit that they have going on. But it's also worth keeping in mind, again, going back to the analogy we used, I think in the preview pod of like the house is on fire, right? So if you get, you have some time to go in and get some things out of the house, what are you going to do? You're going to get, you're going to get your kids out of the house, right? Are you going to take care of the FedEx out of the house? (laughs) I'm going to get the tech, the technology out of the house, right? I'm going to take all my most valuable stuff. We're going to get out of the house. Like my, my clothes, they burned up in there. Right. But I'm going to get some new clothes. Like I can replace that. And that was not the most valuable thing in there. There might be some churn and some turnover there at the bottom, but to those sponsors at the kids table, go to roback.com. Good. Of course. (laughs) To the sponsors at the kids table, you were already getting similar fields to this. It's not yeah. really getting worse for you. It's not. It's very similar. You just similar. can't stay that yeah. out you're, loud. You're rubbing yeah, you can't. That's exactly <laughs> right, Deej. Because yeah. the, the marketing yeah. rep that's signing your checks is not going to like that. Yeah. And so that's one thing. And two, like not every sponsor is looking to get the same thing out of sponsoring a tour event as like FedEx is or AT&T or Schwab. The ones that have like the huge media buys as a part of their sponsorship is very different than like John Deere, which is John Deere is like a very a hyper local event. And again, I don't like pretend to know this world, but like it's a hospitality. It is, you know, the people that are your clients are going to be there and it's it's. Eight million bucks to do that, which sounds like a lot of money to all of us. It is a lot of money to all of us, but like for big business, it's not. And for one, the tourist credit, the one thing they are great at is finding people right in that sweet spot to be able to spend what's not a small amount of money to the players and to the tour, but is a small amount of money to these corporations um, that supports that props up this whole tour. So I, I just don't think they're that worried about finding like the eight million dollar sponsors in there because they're just they seem to be able to find them pretty much anywhere, and that's not what props up the whole tour. And it's also just not what the priority is now. Like, it's just not like you need the guys that are going to write the $24 million checks now. And, uh, I don't know if you, if you try to cater the RSMs and all that, like you're going to lose this battle. And I think they've finally figured that out. I just want to shout out our guy Harris in the chat. He said, Solly would take his Bitcoin farming machine. I would, uh, if the I house is on fire. The guy, the guy who said Mining. if Solly's house is on fire, he'd, he'd be able to grab his little TV was the guy that <laughs> that was kind of derailing me. It's 55 inches Sorry, guys. I, it's I, big. I think you're, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Yes. You have to find the, you know, you got to get these designated elevated partners, whatever you want to call them. Got to get people to pay the big bucks for these 17 to 20 events. But if you, they better watch themselves though, because that eight million dollars, something it's it might just be like everyone starts looking around and be like, "What the fuck am I doing here?" Like, let's just let's just not do this. You know what I'm saying? Especially as the economy starts to change a little bit. I don't know. It's it's like it's like when you say like, "Oh, they can find those eight million dollar partners anywhere." I don't know if they can. That's that's what I remains to be seen over the next one or two years. I think it's a a, a massive question mark for me. 
Which is where I think I, they're just but very I, like obviously running on like a razor's edge. I'm I'm with you, Neil. Where they they're trying like trying to bring in all this influx of new money and trying to almost like take a an advance on future TV earnings to just keep things going. It's it's not like they're sitting on some giant pile of money because that's the other thing. It there's a lot of TV a lot because yes, exactly. if you don't have forty five fifty weeks of commercial load then that affects the next tv deal so and i'm not saying that i'm not trying to say that like again like dj said i have the answer i'm just kind of calling out like it is very uh it's whack-a-mole it's you know you you fix one one thing finger in the dike situation right like it's like oh crap like well we've been ignoring these guys over here and they just left and now we got to find somebody else and so it's hard. I I I don't envy the tour, but I I I'm also with you, Solly, in that like at least I think what they're trending towards is the right thing. Because do I want them to treat the Rocket Mortgage and Genesis the same? No, I don't, because I don't treat those the same, right? Like they're not the same. So I like this ele- elevated designated situation that we have going on. I'll two things I'll say to that is one it may be it may make sense to have a a sponsor or a former sponsor of a smaller event kind of come on and talk about what they get out of it right like it's not all dollars and and cents really like if you're blah 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 host of a fall event you pay eight million bucks but you're hosting 50 million dollars worth of business that comes in every year like it's pretty hard to estimate like what your you know your ROI is on all that like that's not my expertise that but that's one point to say like it's not like you're expecting huge ratings from this event. Like you are accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish on the ground by hosting people there or entertaining clients, things like that. That's one. And two, you know how many like how many eight million dollar clients you need to lose before all like before that adds up to an amount that would like break the bank or like severely harm the PGA tour. And that's a lot, really. I mean, they're finding and again, I they're stretching themselves thin on the on the spending part of this side, but I just don't think that's where they're gonna go broke. Um but I think they're way more risk of going broke off a lawsuit, right? Which is still very much a TBD thing of how that's all going to work out. But um, who could say? On the, I, I don't have a whole lot of live stuff this week, other than they're, uh, other than it's uh, everyone's fleeing the sinking ship. It certainly seems. Otto Koslo, the COO, left uh, a few weeks or months ago. I don't remember exactly when that was. Now the word has gone out that Matt Goodman, uh, who was the director of franchises, named that in May, is also no longer a part of the management team. Uh, which which is, gone- may I say, good good work if you can get it over the last over the last year or so. Director of I- franchises. But- Bounce on clip art for an afternoon, pick, pull a couple <laughs> logos, ask your eight-year-old nephew for a couple team names. And I mean, the guy's just been eating cocktail shrimp since then. So it's, that's great. Um, so that seems not great. Things seem very not great at Live. I've seemingly gotten absolutely no momentum this offseason. They've announced uh, basically getting the tour's hand-me-down golf courses uh, to be their hosts of their events. And they've announced no signings. And I... I don't even know if the, I don't know if the bots have given up. Like I don't even get the rumors anymore. Like I think they've just tried to float all these rumors one by one, and they've just been manually shot down one by one by each player to the point where they're not I, they're not even faking the excitement over the signings they're going to have. Um, and things seem seem mega not good. Maybe they'll you know come February when the events start that they'll gain a whole bunch of momentum. But uh, that was just a, a noteworthy thing that happened this week, and also just wild how much of an afterthought all they've been basically since the uh the the, the team championship but. yeah i co-sign i mean that was kind of leading into the the se- this season preview podcast that was kind of the what's your prediction for live and like 
short of something wildly dramatic happening, like Rom walking off the 18th green today and being like, oh, actually, I'm going to live. Like, I, I just, like, it would have to be such a from left field situation for anything to like massively change. It just feels like it's, if I know people are going to say that we're, we're biased or biased, uh, depending on their, their grammar, uh, you know, towards, towards the PGA tour, but it like, dude, show me any kind of momentum that's actually going on. And I, and I would be happy to listen, but it's no new players coming on. There's fucking 15,000 people watching it on YouTube. Like I just, I, I don't see what big sea change is coming that that's going to really change things. Not much to add. I would like to see how they kick the year off. I, I still don't think it's this year going anywhere. I was actually coming back from the airport this morning and had AM radio on for some reason. It was just on the car and I left it on. I was like, I think it was Bloomberg. They were talking about live and the subpoena with the nine 11 families and how maybe they're opening up a, the Saudis are opening up using it to, to gain a dossier on the nine 11 families, whatever, but just hearing the discussion on general sports radio out in New York city was, was kind of cracking me up. I was like, it just, wait, this Saudi golf stuff, like nobody knows what's going on with them because they haven't communicated anything in like what four months, basically since their, uh, the championship ended, all we've heard is like, no, we're, we're, we're about to do something big. We're about to do something big again. I just want them to shut the fuck up and do it. I'm cool with it. If you just want to go do it, but just stop talking to me about what's about to happen. That's but the that's part the problem. where I'm so they've stopped so that part. Stick of that. They're not even hyping anything anymore. Like I feel like they've they've kind of run out of steam of even like faking like there's exciting something exciting going on. They're also not there's enough to make fun of there that we're not even make fun of them for running like the 2016 PGA Tour social media playbook. Like the worst memes, the worst engagement faking things that were just <laughs> all the stuff that we made fun of for the PGA Tour like a long time ago. For as edgy and new as they are, they're running the exact same playbook. It is horrific. And, God, that's uh, a that is a drive by on DJ Pie. Yeah, I was trying to think. Sixteen. Trying PGA to think what Tour year I was, I was. I wasn't running the social media at that point. I'll have you know. I uh, maybe I should have said 2017. August 2017 when you joined us. That was when you you, you passed that along. What a drive-by. Un- no, it's okay. Unbelievable. It's okay. No big deal. <laughs> we should mention uh, while we're talking about Live, the tour did grant releases for, yeah. uh, quote, a few, end quote, players uh, to play in the Bonesaw Invitational, uh, the, the Saudi Invitational at – Neil, you played out there. Royal Royal Greens. Uh, Golf Club King Abdullah Economic City. I think you played out there, didn't you? TC's a member yeah. out there. Can't, can't say that I made the trip. TC has a reciprocal there, I think, through his uh, his membership at, at Liberty uh, National. Uh, Liberty National. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, no, I, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about more tour guys going to play over there. I, I think where I kind of start is I think Shipnuck pointed out uh, correctly that the tour is – in the midst of a lawsuit of, you know, about being anti-competitive and keeping players from playing in certain places. So this is probably not the year to break from the tradition of granting these releases. I think they've granted them with strings attached in the past. Like basically if you go, you have to play the pebble in, you know, one of the next three years or something like that. But, uh, I don't know if you guys, if you guys want to weigh in, if you have anything to say about that, it's go ahead, Sally. It is just, again, worth noting this event is a Asian tour event. It is a 72-hole golf tournament that is not part of Live Golf. It is, uh, you know, the Saudi investment fund obviously runs this event. It's a golf event in Saudi Arabia, but 
It is not the same as granting, again, just for clarification's sake for anyone listening, it is not the same as granting a player a release to go play in a rival league. Right? It is a one-off thing that is very common, as you mentioned, DJ, for players to ask for permission to go play in other events, and the tour has granted releases on this in the past. Um, it's not a compromise. It's, it's very much you know protocol, I guess. I'm just going to be very curious who it's actually going to be. I'm it's been very clear lines have been drawn in the sand. Again, as I say, that is not a live golf event. Uh, these are the guys that are trying to take over the world of golf and drive uh, a huge fracture through the world of golf and throw middle fingers at the PGA Tour and professional golf at large through a number of different ways. Like We kind of glance past the, the, quote, chilling dossier that the Saudis are forming on the 9-11 families like as, again, part of this enormous political scheme that they're pulling. This golf tournament plays a tiny, tiny, tiny role in that. Uh, but I'm very curious in who has pledged their loyalty uh, to the PGA Tour, yet also is going to play in this event. Uh, it's a very different step than it was last year when it was everything was such enormous uncertainty. And there were a lot of players that played in it last year that did not go to live. Um, that I'm just it's a totally different landscape now, and I'm very, very curious who the guys are. Uh, that are going to be requesting releases to go play in this and, and actually go follow through and play with it because uh, they're going to face some very tough questions, I think, about that, and it's going to it's going to definitely be a discussion point. And is that unfair to project on any of these guys? I'm, I'm curious your guys' reaction on that. It's it's so tough because it's a a little bit of a do as I say, not as I do on from the organizations. So the DP World Tour, this is a DP World Tour event, correct? Asian Tour. Asian it, tour event. It, it's no Asian longer DP tour event. World Tour. All right, so that changes a little bit for me. I, I thought it was a DP World Tour event. I, I was thinking this was a backroom strategic alliance DP it, World Tour contract. So I got that all wrong. So it now it was yeah, a DP World a Tour lot. event, and it, it as of last year they dropped it, and it was became an Asian Tour event as of last year. Last year was the first year as an Asian Tour event. Yeah. So that that's I don't know. That's that changes it a little bit for me. Um, I mean. You know, I'm sure the money is really, really good, and it would be hard to say no to that. But I think the money looks pretty good in a lot of the stuff that they're trying to lay out for the next one, two, three years. I, I would, I don't know if it would, if it was me, I would try to really weigh the distraction that it would cause for me for the three weeks to a month leading up to it, and you know, kind of the question. Just it would just be really distracting. And is that money? appearance fee worth it i i yeah i guess it is right um but yeah it doesn't doesn't sit great with me i, I if it was the dp world tour it'd be a little different of like all right well you're sanctioning this and that's a strategic alliance with my tour or pga tour uh as if i was a pga tour member um but without that it's it's a little harder for me to to justify it if i'm putting myself in their shoes other than just straight give me the cash man yeah i i think it's tough to, I don't know. It's tough to take an appearance fee from the people who are suing the PGA Tour, <laughs> and then also be mad at the people who are suing the PGA. Like it, it's just trying to have it both ways. I think. And you're saying, Sally, you're saying that they're giving these releases. The, PG, the justification from the PGA Tour is because they're in a lawsuit. It would be a bad look if they didn't, because they've done it for like they've set a precedent of giving a release for this event for the past five years. I would just think you don't want to. Again, I'm 
disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think you want to give like the lawyers an extra claim of like, well, you can see it's clearly antitrust and anti-competitive behavior. They won't even allow, they've allowed this in the past and they won't allow it now. It's one more thing to, to kind of put in the, the dossier, if you will, of things, the P, crimes the PGA Tour has committed uh, in terms of anti-competitive behavior. Like it just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it would be a, 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 could be a huge loss for the PGA Tour if they did that, basically. And it's a, it's relatively cost you as a tour overall very little to allow this to happen. Now, on an individual basis is where things are just going to get um, super interesting. And it's like, again, it comes back to, on the surface, anyone that left for live, like, hey, here's a ton of money to go play golf somewhere else. Like, individually, these decisions make a ton of sense. Like, hey... I'm going to pay you $5 million, blah, 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 insert big name to come play this event. It makes a ton of sense. Yet at the same time, it's like uh, you, I guess, again, I'm not in this scenario and don't have to make this decision between, between deciding between all these million dollar contracts. But like at a certain point, it has to be, why do I uh, need this on top of all the, these things that I have? And can all these things all coexist together? And can I be like a spokesman and a leadership for the most competitive tour and also be, you know, taking money from this other side. Uh, maybe the future of this sport looks, has a lot more cross-pollination like this. Maybe it, you know, I don't know if Live is going to exist forever. I'm guessing the Saudi Investment Fund is going to be around in golf for a long time regardless. Maybe there is more crossover in the future, but as it stands right now, they're suing you and they're giving you middle fingers in every possible way. I just don't know how you can turn around and take money from them because it just complicates so many things. Cody, you here to tell us we should take the money? No, not at all, boys. I'm just going back off of who played last year that has not already gone to live. Names jumping out at me. Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry. Big Tone. Big Tone. Xander. Xander. That's pretty much it. Terrell Hatton, but... That's it. Everybody else has pretty much already made the move. And, and you're right. I think the stipulation yeah. last year was pebble. So it'll be interesting to see what that field actually is like. But again, it comes back to like Xander's hurt. We didn't touch that yet. Hopefully he's back and, and we can see him at the next, you know, at waste yeah. management. But I don't know. Shane mysteriously missing this week as well. Obviously, nobody really causing too much of a stink um, as Rory, but... Uh, it'll be interesting to see who does jump because outside of it, the purse last year was not big at all. I mean, a million bucks to the winner. Obviously, they're getting a ton of money to travel over and actually play in the event, though. I think Lowry's going to play. I mean, based on the podcast we did with him last year, he said he signed a three-year deal after he won the, the 2019 Open Championship. I guess, no, no, that would have been, he's, they would already played those three years. So, yeah, that yeah. would be surprising given the the interview he, he he had a comment in there about like yeah maybe i didn't read the room right on that one that would be kind of tricky if he went and, and played that but um i would be well we'll see it, it, it's not like the end of the world i think that that whoever is going to do that is just going to make their life a little bit harder on themselves but i think we would we would also say to that that's what the money's for so neil do you want to do outfits or should we get into kind of talking about uh our week at, uh on uh on maui I'd like to hit a couple outfits. It feels like the, you know, return, the first event of the year, I guess technically not, but first event in 2023, all the apparel companies come out swinging like they've been in the lab. What are you going to wear first day of school? What outfit you got to pick First day of school is a great way to put it, Deej. And I would like to call out 
JJ Spawn. I absolutely loved the full button-down, untucked, guardy boy look with the sunglasses on the back of the hat. I mean, the guy just looked like he was on vacation. And I thought that was uh, that was a great look. And I was very happy. I'd also like to call out Matt Fitzpatrick with the animal shirt on Sunday instead of Monday. He had the uh, tigers in the jungle, it looked like, on his on his shirt. Um, yeah, I don't which, think of I course, can, that speaks to me. I don't think I can go with you on that one, but I'm glad that you liked it. Well, I like the spirit of it. I didn't really like the shirt that much, but I did I did like the uh, the idea of the shirt. Yeah, that's, uh, that's anytime a- you can incorporate some animals, you're you you know, you get a shout out from me. I mean when you uh, when you got here's the problem with a lot of this shit is you, you wear a shirt like that that's like kind of the weird sort of white lotus uh wallpaper vibe. I'm in on that. But then you start putting like HR logos all over that's it and you're fair. just like what are we doing? This is so stupid. That's that's very fair. It doesn't go well with uh with sponsor branding. Yeah. It doesn't feel very authentic, which is which is kind of why I wanted to shout all this out is cuz it's so stupid. Like the ping <laughs> hats all week are so 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 ugly. Like everyone's trying way too hard. It seems like they've had two months to plan for it and they've overthought every bit of it. Uh, and it, you know, come, we're going to come out swinging with the scripting. It's just a, it's kind of a big do less for everybody, yeah, which is why right. I want to shout out JJ spawn because it was like a true do less. Like he's not even tucking his shit in, you know, I'm way, way in on that. Like that, that's it, man. Talk about relatable. Look yeah. at this. Like yeah, I, I would wear that or maybe possibly have worn that on the golf course. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Especially in an island paradise, it's yeah. great stuff. You guys got anybody else that uh, anything else that uh, jumps out at you? I was gonna say I'm way just in on the overall like take me to Hawaii vibe. I, all the Hawaiian shirts, like they're all like kind of ugly, but I I mean I couldn't be more in on it. Ricky did the untucked shirt thing a long time ago, and everyone freaked out. So JJ is kind of it was, it was a safe place for JJ to do it because people remember Rick. We'll remember Ricky for it and not really JJ. But I'm in on all of it. Like this event is. It's a made-for-TV thing, and it's kind of like not that serious of a golf tournament if we're being completely honest about all of it. And the more weird and funny you can make it, the more the more the more reasons like your eyes go to the screen and give you. JJ Spawn gave us some content this week. I'll say that like it was it would have been very safe to just keep your shirt tucked in. He knew it'd be a little controversial, and he went for it. So for that, I thank him. I would say this though about like Ricky doing it's one thing. It's like oh, it's Ricky. You know, he's always stepping out and and being a trendsetter. Fucking JJ Spawn. Like, first time at the event, like, nobody knows who that guy is. Like, casual fans, like, who the fuck is this slob? You know, like, that's good stuff. Like, I appreciate that, that he, like, that, that took some cojones for him to, to, to rock that look as, as the new guy. So, uh, first day of school, Deej, he's, he's coming, he's taking no prisoners. I, I'm in. I'm in on JJ Spawn. I, th- I think JJ Spawn's cool. I like him. I have a couple. I mentioned the ping one. Obviously, on Thursday, Hideki had an all-time bad fit, but that's kind of par for the course at this point. Just a bright, bright, bright pink shirt. I can't believe that. As I don't know if he gets dressed in the dark or what, but it's tough sometimes. Feel for my guy. And I just want to kind of flame Adidas a little bit. They keep. I hate it when they script everybody in the same thing every day. You know, like when they're wearing the sit, like three guys are wearing the same outfit. It's like, it's not a good idea. They so should go with, uh, they should go with Dustin to the four aces. Maybe they can I, start uh, making the four aces kits. They should, they should just go get a franchise and do that on, on yeah. the live tour. But, uh, that's all I got. You guys got anything else on the, on the outfits? 
I, I don't I don't think I do. I saw we you know maybe this is a segue, but the only outfit I really remember is I, I think we saw Rolf uh, sauntering over to us onto the seventeenth tee at the Bay Course, looking like the most relaxed person I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, just you know, ratty T-shirt, kind of loose shorts, flip flops. The guy was no no just no 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 no, no, no not flip flops. He wears UGGs. Oh right, sorry. He wore sorry. UGGs out to the golf course to meet us and then he wore uggs to the podcast he was wearing uggs all day at the course and i was like rolf why are you wearing the uggs he's like they won't let me wear open toe shoes on set <laughs> so he wears uggs it was sick it was so it was the the kunu vibes all the way neil any thoughts on tom kim's new setup team nike guy now i mean i think that's a big big move for him i think uh actually saw and i saw him at the the weston waiting waiting for his car and we we gave him a shout out. Like he's decked out Nike head to toe, which is like, welcome to the big, big leagues, young Tom. Which again, like I was kind of like, oh yeah, cool. Good for him. And I was like, oh no, Tom Kim and majors. Now it's going to be uh, like, that's going to be a tough scene. We know that they do bad, bad, bad things during majors. And now our boy, our sweet, our sweet, innocent boy is going to get caught up in that uh, this year, which is, which is unfortunate, but yeah, I, I uh, should we transition kind of into our uh, our little experience this week? I mean, it's it was it was I don't know it was jarring, I guess if you will. DJ, you've been long been a proponent of like how amazing this golf course and this whole tournament week is. We've always wanted to do this. We've talked about it pretty much every year. Of like, we should go out early. We can you know go hang with the guys that are going to be there pre tournament week. We can go shoot some content with them on the golf course. Uh, for those that are not familiar with how PGA Tour rules work, once tournament week starts on Monday, it gets really hard to do basically anything. And just there's a lot of interest involved, a lot of stakeholders once tournament week starts. But if prior to tournament week starting, you can get away with a lot more things. You don't need it. They don't have to cut through as much red tape. And so we went out a little bit early and uh, got set up to do uh, one of our more memorable pieces of content we've ever gotten to do. I can't believe it actually came together. But we, as I mentioned earlier, we... Uh, did an alt shot match on the plantation course, uh, me and JT against Neil and Spieth. And uh, I don't really know where to start with that, other than that was about the wildest reaction we've had to any content that we've ever published. Yeah, that that, that was, uh, maybe you can talk through, I, I kind of tweeted about it, but talk through JT's reaction of how Spieth got involved, because we initially were just planning to shoot with JT. Still, still you know, Neil, you call that a good get, still a good get. JT on the plantation course. You know, we're happy with that. Yeah, we had two cameras fired up. I'm going to be catching balls into the green. Yeah. Great production plan all in place. All it was, it was dialed. Which, yeah, we do should give a huge shout out, of course, to to Titleist for for helping with this as well in that uh, it was, you know, a lot of comments flying around out there and and all that, but it really was like JT has been an incredible supporter of our content for a, a long period of time, yet they, when we w- didn't share an equipment sponsor, the ask was just always bigger from our end than it was. For, like, it's just, you know, if I'm his agent, I'm not, like thrilled if him going on a podcast when we're doing Callaway reads and things like that. So we, for those that haven't listened to, if you haven't listened to any podcast to, to this point in the year, uh, we are now sponsored by Titleist and, you know, kind of went to him and said like, hey, we're going to be out there early. I, this is, again, the only event where guys show up early and want to play the golf course. Like, it's a really fun golf course for them to play. They're not showing up super early, you know, to Craig Ranch to go play that a bunch of times before that tournament week starts. Um, so say, well, I you think know, the other thing about that, too, is, like, they, they haven't been playing a lot of golf, right? Yeah. Like, everybody's been off for the holiday. Everybody's been, 
you know, kind of drinking and eating and just not playing golf. And so I, I think when they get out to Hawaii, it's kind of like for something like what we did, it's like, Hey, we don't need to take this super seriously. I literally just need to get some swings in. Yeah. Right. And, and so, yes, I kind of want to practice, but I also don't need to fully grind. It's like a good kind of transition transition moment that, that we could kind of seize on, I think. And, uh, I, I wouldn't expect anyone to have uh, you know any real understanding for how all this works and how rare this is to come together because it it requires a lot of coordination of a, a lot of people. It requires agents. It requires players. It requires sponsors. It requires you know the PGA Tour to be okay with certain things, and you got to follow a lot of you know not rules but just guidelines, right, for all this. And it's almost never worth the ask because it just doesn't come together like that. But you know it was it was pretty much like I talked to JT about it. He's like, yeah, man. You know, we're kind of traveling with the speeds a little bit. We're on the same like schedule as them. Like, I kind of feel bad ditching Jordan. Like, would it be cool if he came? And I was like, of course it would. But like, okay, I'll go to his team and try to get that coordinated and whatnot. And like, it all came together. And that's where you know I think one of the many reasons we're super excited about this you know the title of sponsorship is or partnership I should say is like that just was an easier yes once that was the case helped us kick off our partnership and kind of give people an idea of, uh, I, I don't want to say uh, what's to come because I don't know if we're going to be able to top that like all year when it comes to getting guys, like there's just not another event where this could possibly happen. And uh, I, we were so thrilled to bring it to life. And it they just, they, they showed up with so much energy. They brought the noise from the very first hole on. Um, unfortunately, my partner directed a lot of that noise directly at me. Like he, I don't know if he fully realized we were on the same team uh, as we went through that, that uh, 15 hole match, if you will. But Gosh, it was just really, really fun to to bring that to life and mic him up and kind of just oh, just go through a round of golf with Jordan Spieth because I don't know if I've if we've ever heard a fully mic'd up round of golf with Jordan Spieth and that was that lived up to the hype. Well, and I think I think one of the things not to get too into the nitty gritty like production stuff, but we say this all the time about a lot of things. We really said it when we made the Stanford uh, documentary last year. We always say it, Neil, whenever we go and shoot a strapped season like. It's just, if I may, I think it's very different doing something with us purely because there's just not a lot of people around, right? And these guys are just not used to doing shoots where it's just me holding the camera and JT's making fun of me the whole time and there's no like audio guys lingering and there's no lighting people and there's no directors and there's no producers stressing everybody out. It's it's kind of just like hanging out. And that's what you you never whenever you make these asks and stuff, it's always like, Hey, agent, sponsor, wife, partner, whatever. Like I, I know, uh, you, you don't really have a lot of reason to trust me on this, but I gotta say like, trust me, I think it's going to be like kind of fun. It's going to be like very different. And I think when you say like they showed up with a lot of energy, I think hopefully that's what a lot of, uh, a lot of it came from is that it's, it's just a very, very, very lo-fi, uh, production, which, is sometimes why things look and sound the way that they look and sound, but I think there's massive trade-offs in the positive. Answer well. for the shot tracers, DJ. Answer for them. <laughs> oh my god, all these dildos in the in the YouTube <laughs> comments saying that oh you know you actually should have shot tracers. Like oh really? I never thought about that. That's so interesting. Uh, we had to flip that video in fucking 36 hours, man. Like I can't upload all that footage to somebody else. The West End was great, but listen, the upload speed is you can't really upload like 300 gigs of footage to somebody overnight, then have them flip a bunch of shot tracers back to you. I didn't have any time to do it. You guys know I was uploading the final version of the video, like two hours before it was supposed to premiere. There's no time for the tracers guys. I'm not going to get into it, but if we had another day, there would have been tracers, but listen, you get what you get. And if anybody wants to complain about it, you can, you know, you know, you know where to find me. 
Maybe in the director's cut. We've talked about a director's cut, and we could, you know, maybe stretch this out because there's some conversations and whatnot that got kind of cutting room floored a little bit. Also worth noting, like, we want to make it go as fast as possible for these guys. Like, you just don't want to hold them on the course for five hours. We weren't tripoding the camera. DJ was using a gimbal to film all the shots. Like, we were going for speed and authenticity and realness, really, and that's, that's what that was, really. You know, again, without the huge production crew, like, it's just these dudes playing around a golf and talking so much. They were just talking the entire time, uh, which, like, we, you know, I was editing part of it, and I was like, God, Neil and Spieth are having a great conversation right now, but it's right over me and JT talking about our shot right now. I think we need this one, but we can't waste this audio because this is really good. People would want to hear this. There's some good golf nerd stuff in here. There's some funny stuff. There's some good banter going on. There's some, you know, really insightful you know, story here, it just had a mix of everything. And uh, I don't know, thank you everyone for the tremendous reaction to it and for everyone that helped make it happen. It was uh, a dream come true. Let me ask you, Cody, unless you got a, a pressing one. No, I just wanted to say we're talking about this flaming hot content and sex 69.fun decided to show they sensed up. it. The they, they, back. Could, like, they could smell our We didn't even make it eight days the into the back. year, guys. Come on, get yourself under control. What was the uh, what was the biggest takeaway? Either biggest like when you're kind of sitting, you know, having a cocktail afterwards. What was the biggest like? Wow, I I that's gonna stick with me thing. I've I've got a couple. Well, first I want to echo what DJ said. It's not only just DJ and the camera. It's like oh yeah, and these are this is my wife Carson and this is DJ's wife Justine. They're gonna be filming <laughs> the green. So it's a little different than like yeah the guy holding the. Uh, the lighting up and and running the uh, the rail rig and all that stuff. So I think uh, I noticed it a long time ago when we did the Wild World of Golf with Jim Furyk. It's almost like hole number three or four is when it's just like, oh wait a second, you almost see the light go off with yeah. these guys. Like, oh, this is just like, you know, this just like playing at home or whatever. And that's that's how I felt. I had a blast rolling around with uh, with Jordan. We we basically just had one big long conversation all day. Uh, most of it not about golf, um, but I, I did ask him point blank on like the eighth hole. No, it's probably like six, six. I think it was the sixth hole when when you guys were up top. So I, I was like, Jordan, you still like golf? <laughs> I should, and he was like, I yeah, I do. I really do. Like I I I'm really excited about this year. And just to hear somebody who's doing it as a profession with such high stakes, I think the biggest takeaway I had about Spieth as a as a person is that he doesn't have stock answers for anything. He is so like sincere and thoughtful. Like he sometimes you think he's fucking with you and it's like no, actually he's just being very 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 honest and you ask him a question and he gives you like a very thoughtful answer. And so it's like you it almost makes you like don't ask him a bad question. Don't ask him a bad question because like I don't want to I've only got I don't so waste one. Yeah. You know, like I don't because it's like he's putting so much energy into answering my questions that I want to make sure that I uh respect his his time and his thoughts. So that was awesome. Uh, I mean, we talked we talked New Year's resolutions with them. They, it was great. It was just really, really fun to get those guys uh, kind of in a, a comfortable setting and and uh, spend some time with them. Both of them very easy to root for, um, and I had a blast. That was a takeaway as well for me. It was like you know we kind of we catch some you know we can catch some flack sometimes about being fanboys or whatnot with certain guys. And I felt after at the end of that was like felt very like validated for like oh yeah. Like they, these guys are like very clearly easy to root for. Like at, they spent what two hours with us afterwards at lunch, having drinks and 
telling stories and it's like, dude, it's just very normal people. Now, do we still have a responsibility to, you know, call them on their bullshit when JT's doing his, you know, measuring the, the length of the putt at the president's cup and doing all kinds of things. Are we going to make fun of that? Sure. That's still going to stay the same. Are we going to, you know, critique all of Jordan Spieth's decision-making? Of course, we're going to do all that, but also it was just like, yeah, it was really, uh, really, uh, just fun to see like the human side and, and over like an eight hour period, like we spent a ton of time with them, uh, on that day. If I can address, um, you got people, you got to stop coming at me about the humidity thing. It's just basic fucking science. All right. The ball flies farther in, when the, when it's humid. I don't care if they don't understand that. I know that the pros know how to get their distances right. It's not my, it's not my take. It's just an actual fact that the ball flies farther. I'm going to have to get a Max Kellerman next topic on the, on the podcast board. Next fucking topic. Move on from that. Just, we got to move on from that. Second, the Jordan's pronunciation of my name was a big topic of conversation as well, which I can't believe you got alpha. You didn't correct him. I'll hand up on that one. I I think when you, you know, when you've mostly only like texted and and seen it on Twitter and stuff, I think I probably said solely for a long time because it's not as it should be as so L L Y if we're being honest, right? That, that would be a cut and dried. That spells Solly one L kind of throws you off. I think I struggle with the same thing. I get, I guess so. And, but he's not the first person to do that. Some people That's just pronounce my name that it. way. And yeah. I, so I didn't even notice it. I didn't even like think anything of it. And on the comments when we premiered, it was all everybody was saying, I was like, okay, I guess this is a big deal now, but uh, yeah. But um, I think- also Jordan, before we started, Jordan was the one that was like, is this like a, you know, like a, basically like, are we, this is like a shit talking match. Like, are we, are we going to get into it? I was like, hell yeah, we're going to get into it. So I had no problem kind of throwing barbs at him and, uh, and kind of getting that going. But I would just like to note for the record that it was him that was like, oh, we're going to do, we're doing it like this today. Aren't we? Okay. I think uh, I had two massive takeaways. One, Neil, you mentioned the, the new year's resolution. Hopefully they don't, you know, mind us sharing this. I was fascinated to hear they're both, uh, book guys. They both are dying to read more. Uh, I think JT that, literally said he wanted to read 12 books this year. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you've come <laughs> to the right place, my friend. Let's talk. You know, uh, it was it was heartwarming. Yeah, I think that was great. I think a lot of this stuff, I mean, podcasts obviously help, but you kind of only see JT in, in one light, or at least I'd really only seen him in one light. And it was very interesting to spend time like actually talking to him and hearing thoughtful answers. And I think he was like a very a very, very switched on guy. He was very interested to, uh, interesting to talk to. And also like to take nothing away from Jordan at all. Obviously it was not his, his best day ever, but JT might be the best capital G golfer on the planet. Like, holy shit. The shot making, the way he sees different shots, the way he controls flight, the way he controls spin, the way he controls the face, the way like, I was blown away and I think it was kind of like when you talk to somebody like Max or you talk to, I mean, really anybody like JT's, I feel like his, his like power ranking is always way higher than like his world ranking. If that makes sense. Like when you talk to people at the highest level, they're always like, Oh my God, like Justin Thomas is the guy. And I don't think I ever really got it until I I said this to him too, but like until like the players last year, Right when the weather got just horrible, and he was the only guy in that wave to really just like climb up the leaderboard and kind of like assert himself and show what he could do. To see him on that golf course was like kind of the two hundred one of of that class. Like he is, uh, he's he's the dude. Like it, I, I, I do so want to say though, I do want to say, my partner, <laughs> Speed is the kid, and he beat JT this week, and he beat yeah. him this week. 
Uh, I, yeah, sorry. I wasn't aware of that. Spieth beat him uh, over a 72-hole tournament, so I take back everything I said. <laughs> no, but the, I think the magic Jordan has is like, yeah, he, dude, he chunked a, like, I think he chunked like four or five irons. <laughs> um, like, and he hit it horrible. All, like, oh my God, awful. And then it's just like, doesn't matter. You shot what, like, 20 under this week? 19. Just going to whip it into shape over the next three days. I'll see you, I'll see you guys on Thursday. Unbelievable. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's just magic, man. It's crazy. But I agree with you on JT. His chipping, the, the touch around the greens is what blew me away. I guess I've never really given him the credit for the the uh, the hands around the green. Very creative, different shots on every hole. Really thoughtful with with how he chips the ball. That was a that stood out to me. That's cool and all. I get that, but like, what about bones? I think that would probably get me more excited than than anything else. Not saying that that opportunity is not amazing, but to be out there with bones describing and talking through shots with JT. I think the coolest thing about bones is I think twofold. One. The and Sally, you I'm sure can add to this. You know him obviously much better than we do, but it, it, like maybe the the most capital P pro that there is. Like yes. he, he is just a professional caddy, and I think that stuck out. I remember that vividly when we were at Brookline last year. I think it was Brookline, and we're walking around, and it's just like I remember looking over at the other fairway, and he's just out there walking the fairway by himself, charting everything, like going through all the paces. It's like, man, that guy's been doing this for what thirty years, thirty five years. He's he has every excuse to just like kind of coast and rest on his laurels and sit in the locker room and tell stories. And did you, did I ever tell you about the time when Phil did this and when Ray Floyd did this and, and he's just not that at all. He's out there on, you know, if JT's out there playing golf, even if it's with us dipshits, like he's going to be out there because he wants to see how he's hitting the ball. He wants to see how the, you know, surrounds are reacting to his pitch shots and a new like, putter. He was a new putter. He, was, he wants to see. I, t- I asked him on number three. I was like, "Is this new putter?" He's like, "Yeah, man. I it's something I need to keep an eye on." Well, it was the putter that he. I'm, this I'm sure people saw this, but it was the putter that he used in high school. Yeah, that he was uh, he was putting back into play for the first time in in a long time. But that that was number one takeaway from Bones is just like, oh my god, that's that that dude is not faking it, and he's not like lucking into uh, having the best bags. Like he has the best bags because he's the best caddy. And two. Uh, epic storyteller like yes. could hold oh court the with the best of the best of them and just like really 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 blew my mind at how funny he was and what his comedic timing and delivery and and also a, a big music guy massive massive rem yeah. guy we had a little breakout session about uh some of his favorite favorite albums and stuff which i, I didn't know either if you are a corporation that hosts people any kind of hospitality and you need like during a tournament week and you need a guest speaker on there Bones is your guy. Like he, that guy can tell so many freaking stories that are just incredible. PG stories. It's not like they're all like crazy stories, but just he can he can have you hanging on every word of a story. And every now and then during the match, he would turn into like the pro caddy in a way. Like you know, he would emerge to like see if the wind felt a little different on a different part of the tee. Or, you know, uh, like ushering a car through at some point. And I was like, oh, my God, this is happening. Like, in the same group I'm playing in right now, this is so... Him fighting my ball on 14, which led to the JT shot, which has circulated pretty much everywhere at this point, was just like, oh, my God, Bones is looking for one of my wayward drives on a drivable par four. This is really embarrassing. But, like, God, this is kind of cool, too. And he found it. And it almost led to a birdie if somebody didn't mess it up. And I will say r- real quick, just because title is kind of basically seeded their, their ad time on this podcast. So right. like, yeah, just talk about the JT stuff. They did a really cool what's in the bag with bones talking about everything that's in JT's bag. So uh title is plug. Go, go look at that on their YouTube channel. It's really, really cool. 
last thing I'll, I'll add with Bones is dedicated to the craft, like a true professional, like you said, Deej, but I'm always, it's contagious when you're around someone that loves their job. Yeah. yeah. And he is the definition of someone that loves his job. And it's just like, it's infectious. And there's, it feels like there's, I, nah, I shouldn't say this. I don't know this, but I would guess there's probably a lot of like veteran caddies that are pretty jaded and worn out and just like, yeah, man, you know, bound, and he just seems to just love what he does and love being out there. And it's just so, it's just such good energy. You know, you could just, you just want to be around it. And I, it feels like not only JT, but all the other guys want to be around him. Like he's, he's the man period. Which if I, I have one other thing I want to address, which is the alleged me fighting JT on his reads <laughs> got completely blown out of proportion. I would like to say a couple things on this matter. Next one, topic. I put it, I putted my ass off. So all I also want you to know that, that his, his loss are a little weak, and that's why he was hitting more club in some of these. No, I hit it streets. like shit. <laughs> well, I hit it like shit. I will gladly own that. But I putted my ass off, one. And two, those greens are screwy as hell. So a lot of our conversation was like me guessing of what's happening and him giving me like a, an opposite break. And it was not that I was fighting him on it. I'm just like trying to understand, trying to marry the two. Like You know, if you get a caddy that tells you something so opposite – of what you see, how hard it is, no matter how good their expertise is, how hard it is to trust. Uh, look how many times we got it right. We got it right a bunch of times, and there were a bunch of outside the hole putts that went damn right in the middle. And there was one hole where I was like, I don't think it breaks back left at the end. And he did the shoulder shrug. And if you listen to what he also said, he said it's left to right overall, and it actually broke the opposite way. So I got some. I somehow got the flack for that one. But I was actually very proud of my putting. And then I read the comments, it's like, Oh, a guy can't make anything. I was like, what? Like, I don't putt better than that. Like, it, it does not get better than that on for me on the green. Imagine, Neil, I don't know if you want to go through this, but just imagine if Solly ever got the the, the Neil strapped edit. Imagine. You got it, you know. Ever. It's, <laughs> you got, not, it's not worth the energy, bud. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, just let it be. You putted great. You won the match. Don't worry about it. If you learn anything from JT and Speed, probably just don't read the comments. Yeah, it's also true. Also true. <laughs> I will say I, w I would love to start filming some more golf because we're starting to round into form, if I may say. Your boy, the goal was to get to plus two this year. We have, I have cut uh, 1.3 off my handicap in since December 20th, and your boy's coming. It's coming hard and fast. That's all I'm going to say. Here come, the, say. Here come the bots early. again. The ball's yeah, starting, ball starting the to go. The bots are coming hall. now, too. <laughs> Cody, anything else we've missed to this? Yeah, point? what I would say is that you guys had an opportunity to play the plantation course, obviously the Bay course, as DJ mentioned. What did you think of the resort as a whole? A lot of history, tradition there. We know that there's a 2019 kind of restoration, a little bit of green work there by Corn Crenshaw, but overall thoughts on the the place. Not sponsored just for the record, but go ahead, DJ. Uh, I am obsessed with it for all the reasons Neil said. I, I think it's a total outlier. Um, I you took the words out of my mouth earlier about you know, there's a lot of astronomical price tags to a lot of really bad golf courses around the world. And I do not put this in that category. I think if you're on vacation, it's it's a very large cost, but it it is one that that is honestly worth it because it's it's just so cool for the views. And I think it's one of those places where you like you gotta fight almost getting numb to the views, right? And the bay course is kind of yeah. the same thing where you get six, seven holes in and I, JT made a joke. I think it got cut out of the video, but Jordan's like describing the seventh hole and you can just, he's like, Oh, it's a par four. It's dog leg, right? You're, you really want to aim at this tree, blah, blah, blah. And JT's in the background. And he just goes, Oh yeah. And you can finally see the ocean, which is cool. 
which is obviously a joke because you can see the ocean from every fucking corner of the property. Like it, it is, you're, you feel like you're on top of the world, especially when you get up to the, you know, you get up to 17, 18 and you're just whipping down the hill. It's just, it's so, 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 so cool. Um, I, I love it. And the Bay course, honestly, I, I played it, I don't even know, five, six years ago. And I, must have blacked out or something because I don't really remember much about it. And then going out there, uh, we're going to have a couple more film rooms coming out as well. One was myself and my wife, Justine, playing all shot against Neil and his wife, Carson, on the Bay Course, which was super fun. And then the three of us went and played the Bay Course uh, again as well. And just really cool views. It's a little more of a resorty kind of, you know, somewhat forgettable par fours, but some amazing vistas, amazing golf holes, um, some cool greens, some cool, cool stuff going on on, on that course as well. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm obsessed with Kapalua. I'm happy to see them get such a great tournament this year because I, I think it's a place that's very deserving because it's so far outside of the norm on the PGA Tour. Well, I'd, I'd pick it up right there on just Maui in general. But uh, our trip over to Lanai, Lanai-E, I believe is the proper pronunciation, was, and this is sound you know, maybe an eye roll, but like highlighted the trip for me. It was everything about like our golf that I love Go, going to the most remote golf course. That's also free. That has history that is on this Island in the Pacific ocean and kind of having the place to ourselves, um, was just an all time day taking the ferry back with, with the sunset, the beluga at home with his blue whale friends, uh, got, went, did a little whale watching whales are fucking awesome awesome man they're they're just crazy how you can uh, the uh they're just splashing around out there nobody knows what they're up to you don't know where they're gonna appear i almost got the mega breach photo did they Cody, do i think i sent it to you did they do the microphone thing where they drop the microphone underwater and you can hear all the whales talking to each other no they didn't we didn't we were not equipped with the uh with the av team but uh we got we got up close and then it's almost like how i feel like the drone pilot must feel when he's doing the the stuff trying to follow the golf ball live. It's like, you just don't know where, where are they going to pop? I got my camera ready. Like, where's the whale coming? Where is he? Where is he? Oh my God, there he is. And then you don't have time to focus the camera. Um, so that was, it was a, it was an all time trip. And I think, you know, Hawaii gets a lot of, uh, a lot of burn, a lot of love, but I think it's deserved once you get out there and, you know, it made me appreciate the white Lotus series even more because those resorts are a lot, uh, you know, they're a little bit of a, a Truman Show situation. Um, but the the islands themselves are awesome. And I think that's why I liked uh, Lanai so much. I thought that was just the coolest place I've been in a long time. Since since Lofoten, basically. That's that's the last place I remember feeling that way. Just like, man, we're on the edge of the earth, like, playing golf. This is awesome. So that video, Deej, what do you think? Like, early February? Uh, for the Cabin-ish. Bay Course? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I'd say we'll we'll get them both done in concert with each other over the next couple weeks here. Cool. That, that was my first time in Hawaii, and I thought it'd be tacky, and I thought it would. I, Which uh, it I is expect- in spots for sure. Yes, it is. The <laughs> resort stuff Maui. is a lot. It, it's yeah. like three, four days of that, and then you're you're probably good. But sorry, uh, well, I just didn't find it tacky. I just found it like decent, like quality, right? I mean, it's very touristy, but it just didn't feel tacky, if you will. Um. Uh, the bay course was like surprisingly like wide. I just was expecting, you know, it to be, you know, the land is extremely valuable in that part of the world. I was expecting tighter fairways and not as many places to hit the ball, but it was a, del- a total delight. It was a great compliment to plantation, and uh, I'd love to play a lot more golf 
um, on Maui. It was it was it was a great trip. I, I can't remember coming back from a trip like more jazzed up, more energized, and like feeling more. I don't know, accomplished from it. It was uh, one of the true highlight trips. We've been a lot of places doing this job, and I, I was this is one of my favorite ones. It was uh, just the you know, the podcast we put together, the videos we put together, and uh, just kind of starting this year with a bang has been uh, been a great thrill. So very excited for twenty twenty three, and that that helped uh, helped get us going. So, Cody, anything else we missed? Yeah, the last thing that I have on the agenda here, just if anybody is interested, DJ is actually soliciting uh, swing <laughs> advice. So please reach Aloha out family. to his DMs, a Twitter, Instagram, even email if you can find it there. But he's basically looking yeah. for any advice possible. Deej, what are we working with here? You clearly got the bug, my man. Uh, I do have the bug. I, I got to tell you guys, it has not been over 30 degrees for the last three days, and I've gone to the range all three days. I completely have the bug. I had such a blast playing with you guys in Hawaii. Uh, I'm I'm loving... I mean, I, I think a bag full of new equipment's always going to to give you the bug back, and you're going to want to get out there and figure out how far you're hitting it and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I post... <laughs> I, I love this, man. I... I I love occasionally I can do it like once every two years, like just getting really into swing stuff. Like, you know, it's cold out. It's shitty. I'm not going to actually play. Like, let's just think about swing positions for like five months. Uh, and so I posted a thing on Instagram. I have never seen, I, I've never found more community with the NLU audience than I did posting that early extension hump the goat, uh, <laughs> frame by frame that I mean, just truly guys, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people responding just like, dude, how did you get video of my swing? That is me. <laughs> I'm in this image. I want to untag myself. Just hundreds of messages. I don't want to be around anymore. And uh, so that it both like made me feel, you know, pretty bad to obviously like look at that. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, what what I'm describing is my impact position, which is horrible up on my toes, very similar to JT. Uh, just you know, our I would say our cores are in slightly different positions. Uh, you know, just humping at it, moving the head back, moving the chest back, trying to make some space because I'm so fucking steep coming in that the you know either I'm going to hit a foot behind the ball or I'm I need to hump and just make some space and so you know i got my guy uh my guy Corey solly of course we share a uh, a swing instructor uh cory lumberg out in dallas uh sent me just an unbelievable breakdown wait is that breaking what, news does colin know that he's been replaced well it's kind of a uh it's kind of a butch like you know kawa hey can you take a look at this oh, can okay. you can you help me maintain i think honestly the reason i got so fucking steep was because i was watching all those kawa videos For sure. <laughs> and i was i was doing the first part and i was getting it up super high and that i couldn't actually shallow it out so i would just rip my hands down <laughs> super steep uh but yeah, we're working on it. We're working on shallowing it out at the top, and then hopefully that'll take care of some of the uh, some of the humping situations. But uh, God, I I hit it. Honestly, it's a triumph how good I'm hitting it from that position. Like you guys should be terrified if I can ever get... lead to some scar tissue. There's a lot of gauze on the wound right now. <laughs> For sure, so if we get it in a better position at the top, that could be trouble. I, I will say, taking it taking a, a hard look at it though does explain a lot of the you know weak rights and hammer pull lefts. Uh, that we got going on because there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of athleticism that's going on at the bottom of that swing trying to make it work rather than just actually like being on plane. The, the pie man is is soliciting <laughs> advice from his ohana. Please, yeah. everyone. I appreciate everybody <laughs> over the last five minutes who's rifled these swing tips in. I didn't read any of them. Just so you know, <laughs> didn't read any of them. 
Uh, I got merge them all into one thought. I think that's yeah. your the best your best path forward. I trust my guy Corey implicitly. We're working on it. You know, I don't need the input, but I, I do appreciate all the community. So uh, if I find the answer, I'll share the answer because I know there's a lot of people going going through it. But uh, yeah, it's we're working on it. We're working on it. Same. I'm coming off my film room video that published uh, right before Christmas at Frisco and just inundated with putting tips. A lot of people just tell me to to stop putting, which is always. <laughs> helpful i also just recently obviously got fitted for a new putter people tell me it's actually the wrong putter uh you need to go back and get something else so i'm in the same boat with you Deej. it's just i, I got a, a bucket of swing swing thoughts with me i'm taking them everywhere i go and i'm just trying to figure out what actually is going to work have you played it all are, are you putting better i did i played really really good two days ago or what was it friday i went out and played 18 holes and it was i played surprisingly amazing that this is not part of the title of street 73 first time literally Ooh, was nice. like i got to the sixth hole and i was like oh i still have to take the wrapper off this one let's go <laughs> absolutely <laughs> loving it i had that i actually had that going on out in hawaii it was oh, like a we, really we cool question. feeling though we got a question here that i want to address dave coon is asking can you address this how have you guys never been fitted before i think this is a question we we probably should address because our conversation kind of is revolving around like, oh my God, we got fit and now we're good at golf. I, I want to accept responsibility <laughs> for this, If you want to put Dave. that photo back up, we're, we're not good at golf. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I want to accept responsibility for this personally, Dave. This is not anything that we're kind of, you know, blaming Callaway for or anything. It was just, it was, uh, we got fit with them many, many years ago, many different swing changes probably ago. And it was kind of like, I, I, I'm i kind of embarrassed, honestly, with how lazy I got with my, there's just been so much going on in the golf world, and it just, it's been really hard to prioritize our own golf games in recent years, as this job just gets busier and busier every year, and I just gotten really lazy with my setup, and just let things bleed. My five iron was longer than my four iron, because I had to get it reshafted. That's, um, that's my, sick. That's embarrassing. Like, I was just, my driver was just on the wrong setting for like, two years like that's just freaking embarrassing like i should know how to address these things and we had just gotten really lazy with our own maintenance on it. at least i'm i don't know if you guys would say the same thing but that's how i felt personally and having the titles guys come to us and basically were like hey we're gonna get you in the right shit like get it get your ass out here we're gonna put you through it but like you're gonna be in the right stuff and like something about somebody putting something in your hand saying this is the right thing for you go play has led to a huge change in confidence for me and it just is not this. You're not just playing for misses the whole time, and you can just kind of swing freely. And it's taking me back to regular instincts. So it's not that we haven't gotten fitted. Just honestly, that we got lazy and just been a lot of bleeding year over year, and it just led to. Uh, I needed somebody to like come to me and shake me and be like, "Let's refresh this," and that's what they did, and that's what uh, kind of has been a little change we've seen. So I don't know if you had anything to add on that. Oh, the only thing I'd add is uh, also just timing matters. I think like got fit and. 2019 for the first time didn't know anything didn't know what launch angle ball speed didn't like never seen a track man before so everything they did a good job but everything you hear it kind of goes in one ear and out the other and so i just felt like i had a base of knowledge this time around that allowed me to be like oh cool instead of just self-diagnosing like yeah let me play a steel shafted driver let's try that next or like let's just you know, it was a lot of like God, witch that doctor was so stuff sick. Yeah. In, in my uh, in my witch world. Doctor stuff. So Which, the, to Colton Tinsman's comment, he said he's shocked that Callaway didn't have him out. That's not the case. That was they would no, have they gladly did. had yeah, us they out. Did. They did have us out, and we could have gone out 
every month if we wanted to. It was pure laziness on our end, really, of not like properly maintaining it. That's uh, that's something that that we got to own on our own. So. Yeah, it's good. It just feels like we're, for me, it's like the right time to do this, I guess it would be the, the way to do it. And, and I had gone to like the indoor facilities, but sometimes I get a little spooked when I go to the an indoor spot and get like, I'm always like, oh, well, I'm hitting the ball different here, if that makes sense. Like, you know, inside off turf. And so it just, you know, doing it on grass made a big difference too for me. Great question here as we round it out. All right. I don't know if you guys seen this yet. I haven't actually watched it yet, but the new Netflix tennis trailer dropped. Is that a good sign that probably golf is coming soon? I don't know if you've heard anything, Solly, DJ, or what the word is there. I'm excited to watch the tennis. Um, I have only heard amazing things about the Netflix thing, and that's not just coming from people that uh, put it together. It is, uh, I believe, February, and I'm guessing we should start seeing some screeners come in at some point um, in these coming weeks, and we can kind of share our reaction to that. Won't spoil anything in there, obviously, but... Uh, it's, it's coming, and I, I have nothing but complete faith that it's going to be pretty, like, truly kind of revolutionary. I, I think that's uh, that's maybe setting hopes too high for it, but I think it's going to be so different than anything we've ever seen in golf. Yeah, and yeah. The, the other positive thing, too, I think it was I think it was D-Rap that actually said that he got word that it was extended for a second season or picked up for season two. So, so hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, they've been tweeting. Uh, uh, Chad Mum, the producer, has been tweeting about season two for for several months. So I had assumed that it was uh, assumed that it was a full go. But yeah, I, I, I would be. I'd be like Tom Kim's going to be heavily featured in season two. I believe is uh, one of the things. Maybe I some Christmas see. at the Spieth content. Who knows? Very well, could be. So young Tom could be the babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a wrap, Cody. Unless you have anything else uh, that we need to get to, I want to uh, thank everyone. This is kind of our test run for doing the Sunday night show uh, live. Our next live one is going to be the Waste Management Phoenix Open. A lot of complications with football over the coming months, weeks. We'd love to do Farmers, but that's a Saturday finish. Um, so basically, we're circling um, the Waste Management Phoenix Open in February to be our next live one, which also, I think, complicates with the Super Bowl, but still, we're going to do it. So uh, that's the next real big event. Our next and designated podcast. Designated pod. That's exactly right. Um, so if you're listening on the podcast now, you can watch these live on Sunday nights on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, and if you uh, please go subscribe to our YouTube as well, we're, we're, uh, you know, looking to add our subscribers there on YouTube. And if you're a YouTube subscriber and don't follow the podcast, please subscribe there as well and look forward to bringing a lot of content this year. It's going to be a great year. We got more, more surprises up our sleeve. You know, we're starting with a bang and we are, uh, we got a, a lot more things to roll out in the coming weeks and months that I think are going to be uh, really beneficial to, to listeners and followers. So thanks, everyone, for following, tuning in, watching. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to Cody for being on the ones and twos. Thanks to High Noon for sponsoring the show. And uh, we will see you back here in about a month. We'll be back on the pod, of course, next Sunday. But we'll see you back live here in about a month. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!